PlayStation controller for your iPhone? Uh, Brett gets to talk about Nier. Well, hello and welcome to Triangle Square, the PlayStation podcast. I'm your host, Brett Beck. Back once again, I've decided to wrestle Chris to the ground, take the reins of the show and pull them back into my arms and keep my foot on his face so he knows where he belongs. I'm kidding, Chris. I love you. (laughs) It got dark real quick. No, but I am back uh, from my vacation and I am joined by the man who does it all, apparently, Mr. Chris Viggs. Oh, I get to introduce myself. Nobody gets to screw with me anymore. <laughs> I I mean, I don't know. For Saul's sake, maybe I should keep that part of the show alive. <laughs> In memoriam. <laughs> yeah. For the Phantom of Saul Bridges. Yeah. Oh, the, the ghost of Blake Pope's the Phantom of Saul Bridges. Uh, I gotcha. You yeah. can figure this out. Saul wanted to be higher than a ghost. So I think that. That was it. He gets to go one above, yes. Right. Yeah. So anyway, with that being said, glad to be back, and we can get this show up and going on the road. If you're new to the show and this is your first episode, first and foremost, welcome. We hope you enjoy what you end up hearing. Uh, we are, of course, a PlayStation podcast, is obvious by the name, but more so I think that it's best to describe us as a gaming podcast that's looked at through the lens of two people that are primarily PlayStation fans. Um We will talk about other consoles and whatnot as we see fit, pointing out their positives and their negatives or whatever it be. Uh, But without further ado, the way we like to start this show off is always a time-honored tradition of checking in on what each other has been playing so that you guys can get an idea of what to play if you are on the prowl and looking for something new, as well as a chance for us to figure out what each other are playing. And uh, lately, I've actually not been talking to Chris all that much. I've been very busy, so I don't, I don't know what Chris is playing besides <laughs> the fact that it's on a document in front of my face. <laughs> so technically, I know right now, but I didn't like five minutes ago. So, yeah. Chris, uh, go ahead and regale the people with your apparently Pokemon, Pokemon, <laughs> Pokemon. <laughs> I have played multiverses too. So that's been my yeah, week. Sorry. It's been uh, Pokemon Emerald, Multiverses, uh, Pokemon Wilds, and Pokemon Sky Project. It's been some pretty fun games. So you sent me Pokemon Wilds earlier. I did. Uh, yeah. While I was at work. And I did not have a, a big chance. Uh, I skipped lunch today. So <laughs> at work, I was just work through it. So I had like quickly looked because when I clicked the video, the first was like some dude installing it. I like, I don't. I don't think he's wanting me to watch the dude install the game. No, <laughs> so he I just, just had the download link the in, dude playing the game. He just had the download link in his description and it like auto set the download. So I couldn't actually get the link. So I'm like, screw it. Here's the whole video. Just download it from his, uh, his description. Gotcha. Well, I watched the video cause I was like, I'm mm. trying to understand what's even coming into play here. Uh, I didn't watch like a lot of it, yeah. I watched like maybe three minutes total of, of gameplay, maybe five. And I'm trying to understand what the game is. So it's like open world Pokemon, but based on the old art style of more tile based stuff. Yeah. But the Pokemon are in the overworld, but also not in the overworld. Right. It's, um, and you can build stuff. Yeah. It's a Pokemon open world survival game. Okay. 
So how do you like, like a, knock trees down? Do you have to, do you like use you, cut you, to yeah, like, cut Pokemon trees down and get yeah, logs? And they knock down. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So you can do that. You can surf. You Minecraft can fly. style survival. Like, how um, does that work with the top down? Like, how do you build like a shelter? Like, does it create a spawn point where you go inside the building and it loads you in, or no? It's just you go inside. I'm I'm not entirely sure because I'm not extremely far into it. But I know you can just like lay floors down, then you lay walls, and then you can put a roof over it. And I would imagine it does it like a like a Pokemon house where you just open the hit the door and go inside. So that's what. Well, it yeah, but like typically in those old games, it loads you into a house, right? When you do that, so yeah, is it creating a house state? That's cool. If so, I think so. Probably. I just I know it doesn't really need to load it because like it's uh, not on a Game Boy anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it makes me think of uh you're playing Emerald right now, so you're mm-hmm. clearly familiar with this. Um both Gen 3 and Gen 4 had versions of this, but your tree houses, like your little tree yeah. bases. Yeah. And then 4 had like your underground tunnel base thing that you could do. I don't I don't know if that came back on the new remaster, but I knew that used to people could visit your base and yeah, like it fall into pit traps and stuff that you had set yeah. up. It's cool. I liked I like the base system. I, mean, I remember me and my I brother. I like the tree houses like the, were cool. They were. In the real version of the game, me and my brother would build bases and you could because you could register people and then in the overworld their bases would still exist. So I thought that was pretty neat. Yeah, it's like it was you they didn't have to be on for you to visit their thing right no it just put it just put their base in your world basically as long as you had told them that it was okay for that to happen i guess so yeah gen 4 is the one that i i really did not i've played like a little bit on an emulator at one point trying to see if i could get a ds emulator to run um and i played for a very short period of time and i remember that the little blonde haired boy and i tried it again whenever i played uh the the new remaster uh yeah but there's a there's a line where the mother asks if you've seen her son, not your mom, the other, your your friend's mom. And I didn't know this, but so I, I named him asshole because I just thought it was funny that it let me because I didn't know if that was because it was an emulator and it didn't actually check for language. But I go, his mom like runs up and goes, oh my, have you seen my little asshole? <laughs> <laughs> and that's one of the funniest Pokemon memories I have to this day because it's just funny. Uh, have you seen my little asshole? I played through like the first gym or maybe the second gym on the remaster and I don't know, that just didn't click with me. Uh, that said though, so Pokemon Emerald, clearly I know what that is. I have an idea of what Pokemon Wilds is, though not fully fledged. Mm-hmm. Tell me about Pokemon Sky Project. Pokemon Sky Project is cool. It's Pokemon Sword and Shield, but in Kanto and Fire Red. Like it's a Fire Red ROM hack, but it's Sword and Shield. So you have all the Gigantamaxing or whatever. You have, I think there's a new story. Um, the layout of the towns is different. Um, you can catch new po- like all the way up to Gen Eight or whatever Pokemon, and then y- your sprite is just Ash Ketchum. <laughs> so it's pretty neat. I haven't, I'm not crazy far into it, um, but I'm probably gonna drop Emerald for a little bit and play this just because I've never played this before. Um, and I've been trying to get into more ROM hacks, but they're finicky to get running and downloaded. So we'll see. 
Are you trying to play these on your um, little emulation device? I am, yeah. I guess you can because they're ROM hacks, right? Right. So, like, I'm specifically looking for, like, GBA ROMs. I could do DS ROMs. I just don't see myself sitting at the computer playing Pokemon. You know, it's never worked for me. That's why I bought this to begin with. I kind of had that feeling when you said you should try Pokemon Wilds. I was like, I don't want to play Pokemon on computer. <laughs> I yeah, just, but it's I don't. It's not a. Uh, it's not the same. I think you'd like it because you like those kind of games even more than I do, and it's an. I think it's a neat setup for it. So, I'll look more into it. I'm not saying for sure I'm gonna try it, but I'll look more into it. It's zero dollars. Go from can, there in a five second download. It definitely is worth at least. But it's on my a computer, shot. man. <laughs> You can play it on your laptop that you're sitting in front of right now. So Ugh. it's Pokemon Red, Brett. Chris, don't. <laughs> I, I know. I, I'm telling you, dude. I'm kind of done with old Pokemon. I don't really care. <laughs> I, I, yeah. That's a weird thing to say, but I'm. I, I as I've said many times, and I don't even really care at this point. I'm to the point where I want them to sever any tie with old Pokemon mechanics at all. I just want Violet and Scarlet. I know they probably won't be, and I'm not saying they should be just on my behalf. But my preferred version of new Pokemon is something much more akin to Arceus. No, disagree. Strong disagree. Oh, that's fine. I'm just saying. But at the same time, like, then you if you want it to be more like Arceus, you should play this game (laughs) that I sent you. The yeah, maybe. But you know, it's also weird. Uh, um, I don't. I the more I look at Violet and Scarlet and when they were announced and how they were announced, like right around the time that we're supposed to be just upcoming to a release of a new, different Pokemon game with Arceus, it really seems like either Nintendo or Game Freak were not sure how people were going to respond to Arceus, and so they wanted to have Violet and Scarlet be closer to normal Pokemon that they can announce in the normal two game setup, so that. If people don't like Arceus, you already have a setup of like, don't worry, don't worry. There's a normal one coming same year. I've yeah, never seen uh, them cannibalize a Pokemon game quite like this is all I'm getting at. Yeah, it's um, the Elder Six it, announcement kind of thing. It didn't work because in terms of, I shouldn't say it didn't work as a sabotage until they meant it to be one, thankfully, because Legends sold ridiculous. If I'm not mistaken, it became the best selling Pokemon game. Yeah, I believe you're correct about that. That's where my curiosity is. How much did that end up impacting Violet and Scarlet, or could it because of the fact that it's coming later this year? No, That's the reason I'm worried that these might not be very much like Arceus, which sucks. Well, if nothing I, else, my real hope is that we just get more Legends games in the future. And well, it is a it is an open world game. Violet, yeah, and I know Scarlet. it's open world. Though technically, so, um, Arceus isn't. It's hubs. Hubs, yeah, yeah. I don't Which know. I'd have been I, okay with. I mean, I hate the Pokemon being out in the field stuff. I hate that. That I can see them. So that's like the least attractive thing about these games for me. Weird question, but also I guess a, potentially a hot take on my part. I know what they mean when they say open world Pokemon, but honestly, I feel like Pokemon's always been open world. What is your What are your thoughts? Yes, no, I think that's right. <laughs> I actually yeah. don't. It's, they're, they're like open world Pokemon. I'm like, okay, what if this is open world Pokemon? Like RCS is a little different because it's hubs that you can't get to without having to come back to a central hub. Uh, so I can understand how that one's different. But if Sword and Shield are not open world, and 
Emerald and Ruby and Sapphire and the original Pokemon are open world, what the hell are they? Hubs, I guess. Would they? I mean, at that point, is Bloodborne an open world game? Yeah. Really, because <laughs> I don't opinion, even think FromSoft would call it an open world game. So I don't think they would either. And I don't think that God of War 2018 is considered an open world game. But you can traverse the entire world, come back around, loop through however you want. Definitely a game like Bloodborne, where the whole map is constantly coming back in on itself. And there's no breaks in loading. And you experience the whole game from that one. I, I don't. I don't know what the hell else I would call that. It's definitely a different style of open world than like Elden Ring. Yeah, but I think Elden Ring is an open world game, and I would argue these are more of like open hub world games, I guess. Well, then I guess for you, and if we're looking at that, then I guess that's what Pokemon games would have to be prior to this. Sword and Shield is just a hub with a very large open section in the middle with the, what do they, what they call that in Sword and Shield? Safari? Was it the Safari? The Wild area. What was it called? The Wild, yeah. Mm. I don't know. I I don't know. I don't know either. I feel like that's a very closed off definition of uh, open world. That like stretches it a little bit too far, but at the same time, who knows what they're even planning on doing. I think maybe if I can... Because I think the thing with Pokemon is you have to go... Outside of a couple games, you have to go gym by gym. So I, that's that's probably why it's not considered an open world. Whereas like maybe in Scarlet, I can go to the 8th gym first if I really want to. Well, that definitely is what it seems like they're going for. But at the same case, just following through the ideology... <sighs> Why would it not be open world just because it controls the way in which you... Because you can't, you can't go to the next area in most of these games without finishing that one area. So it's more of... I guess in that way, it's more of hub areas. It's a Metroidvania. <laughs> honestly, yeah. It's more of a Metroidvania. It's a Metroidvania where the things that you unlock are moves and not items. It's like, oh, you can come back here when you unlock Surf. And then right. you can get to the next island. Exactly. Pokemon games are Metroidvanias. <laughs> That's the I hot would take. That's the hot take. I agree with that before I would agree with, you know, open world in the way that Skyrim or Fallout is. So, well, okay, but I didn't say open world in the way that those games are. I just meant open world. I guess, look, take it back a little bit, right? Think about, think about prior to. Is a bike when a did car? Pokemon, well, hold on, listen to me. Whenever, uh, whenever Pokemon Red came out, which was what, 98? Uh huh. 97, 98, 98. 98. Uh, in US, 96 in uh, Japan. So when Pokemon Red came out and you have that style of world, which ultimately is mostly unchanged all the way up to Sword and Shield. Mm-hmm. Prior to the advent of what you seem to be looking at with open worlds with something like Morrowind in 2003 or whatever it was, uh, 2002, I think, um, Grand Theft Auto three in 2001. What do you think people looked at Pokemon reds world being like prior? Do you think at the time contextually, they thought this is like an open world because you're not loading into sections 
Or do you think they looked at it similar to the way that they looked at It's a little different in presentation, but do you think that they looked at it more like the old Zelda games where you see a square block and then when you run to the edge, it loads, but just scoots you into the next room, basically? Like, do you think it, it looked, it was more akin to that, but smooth where you didn't have to have the, the room buffers? I'm just curious. Like, I have no idea, honestly. Open world as a denotation of the world has to change in context to what's around it, right? To some degree. But at the same time, I don't think that ever means that something can become not an open world. Just because suddenly open world is bigger than what something used to be. So I don't know. Yeah, I don't have a good answer here. I think I would just go back to the question of, is a bike a car? It's a vehicle. But is it a car? No. No, I guess not. Is right. a truck so a car? Two different modes. Well, yeah. It's two different modes of transportation, but you you get there in two different, completely different ways. That's the whole thing. An open world game versus an open hub game. Same concept, but two completely different ways of doing it. Hmm. I don't know. I think that I, I liken your comparison to the fact that they're both open worlds. They just choose to go about how they let you progress through them in different ways. But I don't know. I don't. Maybe not. We're gonna put a poll up and ask for people's opinion. Is Pokemon open world or Metroidvania? <laughs> that's that's. It's that's an open world poll. Metroidvania. <laughs> it, it, it is. It's a mix. It's an open world. Well, then again, aren't all Metroidvanias at that point just open world? They're just locked by the fact that you can't go do something in, without having a, the specific item that you need. I don't know, but if you're asking what an, an open world game, I'm not saying Pokemon, but I'm saying Skyrim. So that's where I'm going to leave this conversation. And that conversation will be left. Moving along. <laughs> yeah. What's next? Is there anything else? Uh, clearly, we haven't talked about multiverses. You've seemed to be singing its praises all week. So, yeah, multiverses. Uh, quick is sell. Sick. I haven't played it at all. So, quick sell on multiverses. Why is it sick? Because uh, it's better than Smash Brothers. Smash Brothers sucks and multiverses doesn't. <laughs> Woo! There are some Nintendo people creaking their Switch right now as they clinch harder on the sides of those yeah. joint lines. It goes. Talk to me about um, your 30 FPS. No, I don't know. I don't think it's It's just not. It's. I don't know. I don't like Smash Brothers. Like, I just don't. It's not fun. But there's something about multiverses I'm having a lot of fun with. Maybe it's that I'm not playing on the stinky Switch. Maybe it's something. Maybe it's that. <laughs> maybe I like the characters more. I don't know. But, like, I don't care about any character in that thing except for Charizard. So it really doesn't. That's why I prefer multiverses. I think the mechanics are really fun. And I like playing as LeBron James. LeBron is the homie, which is super weird that I'm playing as. It's weird because it's LeBron James, but the LeBron James from Space Jam. But isn't the LeBron James from Space Jam just LeBron James? Yes. <laughs> but the game doesn't say LeBron James. It says LeBron James of Space Jam. Yeah, it's him in his suit and his, you know, the the outfit for the for his team. Yes, it's him as a Toon Squad guy. But yeah. LeBron James is but also he's, a real he's just person. LeBron James. But that's not the question I'm asking you. I'm saying, does has the LeBron James in multiverses played on the Cavaliers? Does he play on the Cavaliers in the movie? I didn't watch the movie. No. 
Okay, so he's not like... If I remember, it's been a long time since I've seen original Space Jam. Is it fictionalized LeBron James, or is this real LeBron James? What is what do you call it when it's fictionalized, but it's heavily based off of who they really are? <laughs> you call it fictionalized. It's based on based on true true events. LeBron James. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess. don't know, man. Well, I, I'm not a sports a, fiend. Don't ask me. I didn't even know Le, LeBron James played for the Cavaliers. That's news to me today. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I don't, I don't I, care about basketball at all. <laughs> I don't care about basketball either, but that's just like knowledge. My point, though, is I'm just curious if it's if it's the character from the movie or if it's real LeBron James. I know it's a weird question. Because they're both called LeBron James. I think it's the character from the movie. That's what they're choosing to specify. If if, okay. if that's not real LeBron James, then yeah, that's who it is. I just think that's, that's it's just, Le- just a it's weird... It's LeBron James playing a fictionalized version of himself. Got it. All right, I'll take that. I'll take that and run with it, even though I kind of hate it. <laughs> now now I'm, I just deleted multiverses. I don't even want it anymore. Uh, I... It being free to play is probably the biggest help for it, but I wonder what their path to like monetization is. Um, I mean, I'm sure you can answer that if the fact that you're playing it. But is it microtransaction heavy? Is it? I I doubt that I haven't be so bold to spend the any money on it. I think I bought the battle pass for ten bucks, and then that's it. I've I've just been unlocking characters through coins. Now, what does the battle pass do, though? Is it strictly, uh, is it like Sea of Thieves where it's all visual things? Or does yeah. are there characters tied to that as well? No, there's no characters. But there's like gold coins t- uh, tied to it. Hmm. Okay. Well, I mean, sounds like you're having a good time with it. And that's all that matters. It's, you go be LeBron good. James as much as you, you should want. You should download it. Jabron Lames? <laughs> yes, Jabron Lames. All right. Uh, well, I guess that's all you've been playing, so I'll move on to myself. I have been playing uh, Untitled Cat Game, otherwise known as Stray. Um, what well, you played Stray a little bit? Did you beat it, or did you just kind of no. give up on it? I, I dropped into the bottom. If you know what I'm talking about, yeah, yeah. So I, I haven't even got the backpack. I, it's not that it's not my speed. It's just I haven't felt the urge to go back which sucks because i was really looking forward to it definitely bought that collector's edition off i am 8 bit and now i'm like i don't know uh, we'll see but game's great i beat it I i'm working it. on platinum run um first you, you gotta think this is the first game i've played on my playstation 5 in like th- three months i think maybe yeah I'm really trying to think. The fact yeah, that you've been I on don't the Switch know. Grind, huh? Yeah, I've just been on everything but that grind. But Stray's been great. Um, I've been playing that almost entirely. One thing that I guess you don't really have an opinion on, but I've seen people say, I've seen some people say that they don't understand why we're glorifying a game where you just push forward and X in 2022. And then I've seen a lot of people say that that just describes Assassin's Creed, which. It does. Um, what describes every video game? <laughs> it does. Any why, video why do game you push with, forward and press triangle twice in God of War? This is a bad yeah. take. 
Yeah, but they were saying that, um, and they were like, if it didn't have a cat in it, I've seen people say if it didn't have a cat in it, it wouldn't be doing well. And I'm, I will admit that I guarantee the game's doing better because of the fact that you play as a cat, and that's uncommon. There's not a lot of games where you play as a cat. There's a game called Cat Lateral Damage that's also incredibly fun, where you play as a cat in first person and you just run around a room and knock shit over. And it was one of the most fun platinums I've ever gotten. Right. It is chaos and it is it is great. Yeah, if you want to play it, I have it bought on my account. <laughs> you should look into it, but it's like goofy looking graphics. It's a real simple game. And it's just you see two little cat paws and you just swipe stuff, <laughs> jump around the house, knock stuff over, and you try and make as it's like it's like burnout's wreck mode, but in a room where you try and destroy as much stuff as you can. That's the best I can tell you. I like that. But it's very okay. fun. Uh so but Point being, there's not a lot of games where you play as a cat. So yes, the uniqueness of playing as a cat, and as when there's not a lot of games that do that, is helping it. The fact that a lot of people like cats, of course, are helping it. The fact that it was shown off alongside PS5 gave a lot of eyes on it. That's helping it. But the game's actually the game's good. It's a more of a chill game. I've seen people call it a walking simulator, and I would not agree. It's a it's a platformer with some light puzzle elements wrapped up in a mystery game you know there's aspects that i like about other games where you kind of walk around and there's like not necessarily for the main story but for some of the side stuff there's like numbers on walls that you have to pay attention to if you want to do some of the extra stuff there's extra little side quests and stuff that you can run around and find it's just fun i don't know it's a it's a very simple game i've seen a lot of people say it's too short i don't know that i agree i think it felt right for the time and then it has plenty of replayability in my opinion um so hopefully you'll get back to it it's very fun well, what do people want do they want a 40 hour game of you of an atmosphere because it's not a it's not like it's an action game it's an atmospheric story game you want 40 hours of that it sounds Dude, awful I, I, it, i've seen some people <laughs> say it's a little too short i'd i'd say the game's probably around five to six hours yeah that seems fine um, yeah like some of the people, like I know one of the people who said it was a longtime listener patron, uh, Mark. He was saying that he thought he wished it was a little longer. So I can see that being more like you were hoping it would hit like an eight to 10 hour mark, maybe eight being, I could see eight being a lot of people's sweet spot, but I don't, I don't know, man. I, I don't want to keep beating the barrel, but it's the same way I felt. I, I don't get why a game can't just be the length that it needs to be for what it's doing. Mm hmm. Uh, and not that Mark is saying that it's not, and he just is bemoaning that he does wish it was a little longer for his own taste. But, you know, a lot of people being like, game's not worth it if it doesn't hit some arbitrary hour mark. Is the game suddenly going to be better just because they decide to add four hours of fluff so they hit 10 hours? No, objectively, it's worse. And then people would be like, oh, the game lasted too long or it, you know. Yeah, and I, I don't know. I think that there's something to be said about the fact that at least in the internet bubble, that's real easy to get lost in and think that that represents the majority of the vocal aspect of gamers. It's real easy to get lost in this feeling that games are just supposed to be massive instead of being what they need to be for the story they're trying to tell. And it feels like most of the time the games that get away with being shorter are the games that don't get as much attention. And they get to kind of slide by and people are like, I loved it for how, you know, it chose to be brief. And that was a nice thing. Sometimes people like the feeling of being able to hop in, play as a cat, do it for six hours and maybe never come back to it again. Or maybe come back to it over and over and over because it's 
fairly replayable. I mean, it's a cute game. The world is interesting. The like the art style is surprisingly good. I was surprised at how good the game looks. <laughs> it does look very good. Like, yeah, um, it has that classic thing where they really look at how like they use lighting to make certain things look way better than you feel like they would just because of specifically the way light hits it. But um, yeah, I don't know. I was glad it was six hours. I had like a blast the entire time when it was wrapped up. I was like, it. I guess I would rather have the bittersweet feeling of, oh, it's over. And I wish I had more time with these characters I love. I'd rather feel that than feel, oh, it's over. I spent a little too long with these characters. Mm-hmm. That was kind of, I love Days Gone, but I was kind of by the end, I think I had messaged Blake and I was like, why is this game still going? <laughs> and I love Days Gone. I love Days Gone too, but it, it's, it's, a ten, it's 10 hours too long. I would argue it's 20 hours too long. As a 60-hour game, that should be 35, 40 hours long. Oh, it took me like 40 hours, I'm pretty sure, but maybe my memory is just failing me. Now, the Platinum, different story. <laughs> I think it took me around 60 to Platinum. Yeah, I think that story took me 60 hours, but I was doing everything, so... Within it, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, maybe meet in the middle of nothing else. 10 to 15 hours could be cut, and it would probably be better for it. Um, but I still love the game. So yeah. to that end, though... Would that game have suddenly been a, a, a you know critical wise? Would it have suddenly become a nine out of ten? I don't know because I, I don't know if it's. Would you feel like it's critical reception for games that actually drives people into thinking that games need to be longer? Because at one point in time, reviews were the ones harping on the fact that games weren't long enough, or you know what I mean. So that's a real interesting question of how does the way that games are covered and reviewed impact the way that people start to adjust their own views of what games should or should not do to be considered of value? Um, I mean, in terms of reviews, I think that a review colors everything. So, so if you know someone says, well, this game wasn't very long, so it's four out of ten, then yeah, it's going to color people's thing. But I don't know. I think that's a very, like early aughts kind of way to think about video games. I don't think people really think about them that way anymore. You know, if you, yeah. if, if stray know. was $70, I would say it's probably too short, but stray is ostensibly free or 20 or 30 bucks, you know? So it's I'm not say into the $30 or maybe 40. Well, it's on PS even Plus, at 40. So. Yeah, sure. And I got to play it for free as well. But if I had bought it, which I absolutely would have, I think it was 40, 30, one of those two. It was two? 30. Dude, at $30, that's a steal. Yeah. It's $5 an hour seems more than reasonable. Yeah. Hmm. Either way, Stray's really good. I hope you get around to it and end up liking it. I'll get back to it. Uh, you know what I love about these types of games, though? Is that they're built to where the first time you play through, it's like you explore and have fun, and you can, you can have a you know six hour runtime out of it. But then there's a trophy for beating the game in two hours, and I thought, man, that's going to be kind of hard to do. And it's funny revisiting the game when you know what to do and just running through. It's kind of like playing Portal. It's like Portal goes from being like Portal One's only like four hours anyway, and it, it turns into like a forty five minute game if you know what to do, and yeah. Portal Two turns into like a two hour game if you know what to do. Um, 
But I, I like that. There's something that's kind of fun about knowing that you've just like mastered this game to where you can fly through all these things that you normally spent a little more time on. And it's fun seeing a game suddenly shrink by a third just because you're saying fuck it to all the extra stuff. <laughs> yeah. No, it's definitely true. I like being able to fly through stuff. It helps. Well, conversely to Stray, a game that arguably some may think are too is too short. I'm playing Rune Factory 5, but I'm just kind of like playing it at work on break and different times. So it's slow burn to some degree. I hit the first credits, which is like a false credits where it runs for like five seconds and then comes back into the game. Uh, the previous ones did that as well. And it's it's it sucks because the game story really starts to actually try and get interest, interesting afterwards. But that game is just so long. And it feels like a game that you're just supposed to play forever. And that goes against the way that I tend to play games. And since I picked up Stray, it's been harder for me to play Rune Factory 5. Because as we're eventually going to get into today, that is just not the way that whatever it is that goes on in my brain has me play games. <laughs> I can separate sometimes because like the last game I've been playing is Old School RuneScape. But it's a game I can play so passively because of the type of game it is that I'm not normally getting like enthralled in it at every second. Like right now I'm doing training. I'm just leveling up defense and uh, so I can wear certain gear and do certain quests. And that means that it doesn't really take up the same part of whatever it is in my mind that like tries to like hyper grip onto a game whenever I'm playing it and enjoy it. And it's like, I, I, I just fixate on it. Yeah. Um, so Rune Factory 5 has been kind of falling behind because of that. But, yeah, that's pretty much where I'm at. A um, little bit of Monster Hunter, technically, but Monster Hunter's kind of reaching this point where I'm just playing it with friends. Great game to do so with. Yeah, of course. It seems like a fun game for but that purpose. I think Switch is about to become the handheld when I'm at work, 10 o'clock break, 3 o'clock break maybe lunch something like that and yep. then um if 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 my ps5 gaming is coming back up as i uh bought the pathless uh and i plan on starting it after stray so if that's the case i think that it's about to be where i'm not playing the switch ex- except for like before the hour before bed when i'm watching tv with my wife or something like that you know fitting times you. for it uh but enough of that uh as Chris did the episode last week by himself, uh, he opted against doing a community's take. Um, so kind of what we're going to do as an in-between of that is actually a question that got sent to us in uh, by one of our patrons, Mr. Sean, uh, otherwise known as No Fate. He says, with the latest announcements for PSVR 2, I'd like to suggest this as a topic of conversation for next week's podcast. I'd like to get your thoughts. Do you consider PSVR another Sony console like they do, or is it really just a peripheral? For me, if PSVR 2 isn't backwards compatible with the games I've already purchased, I can't see myself investing in the next model. I don't play it enough as is, and it lacks all of the light gun games I hoped would make a return, like Time Crisis, House of the Dead, Point Blank, and Silent Scope, etc., what games were you hoping for? If I'm feeling this way about PSVR 2, what chance does VR have for the future? What can Sony re- uh, do to regain interest? Um, so 
this is just something we're going to talk about and, and for the fact that we don't have our normal segment here. And we like getting your thoughts, uh, listeners. So if you're listening and you have any topics you'd like to hear our thoughts on, uh, throw it our way. And if we think it's interesting, we'll go ahead and, and talk about it. And in this case, I'm going to go ahead and spoil for Chris. For what I understand, Chris doesn't really have much to say on this particular um, opinion. No, I got nothing, sadly. I think if I was to speak for Chris to some degree, I think it's clear that to some degree, Chris has lost interest in VR in a lot of ways because of PSVR 1. I lost interest in VR because of PSVR 1, and I didn't re-pick up interest until Oculus Quest 2. And even then, a lot of the same issues apply in that the best experiences on Oculus Quest for me are tied to the computer. And the best way to do that right now is still through the tether cable, which means that you have to hook stuff up and make sure things are charged. And there's all these different things you have to do to get going. And you have to start doing link mode on here and get it to work with the computer. And it doesn't always want to work correctly. Sometimes it does. Sometimes it doesn't. Um, But point being is that it feels like work to do. So even here lately, I've not been doing it while I'm also waiting for PSVR 2. So I do have interest in it. And I do think, Cody, I do think that PSVR is another console like Sony does. Um, But here's the weird thing about something like this. As much as it is a console, in my opinion, I don't know how much they're going to be able to make games backwards compatible because it's a completely different type of tracking, which is so much better than the tracking you had for PSVR, right? But the issue comes in the fact that any game made for PSVR can't suddenly work for here because PSVR 2 is not using an LED ball that a camera tracks poorly. Instead, it's using precise inside-out tracking with a number of sensors and cameras that know exactly where things are. And that means the only way that developers can really make games backwards compatible is by going into their game, updating PSVR 2 to be a playable way, and then having to have the control for that baked into that game. Now, it's not impossible. A lot of that control, if these games are already available on Oculus Quest 2, essentially exists because it's similar type of tracking. So they could just try and bake that in and re-update the game, but they may not have the money or the incentive or whatever it be to do so uh, unless Sony pays them to do it, which I don't necessarily think Sony will do for non-first-party games. I do share the fact that I hope that Firewall Zero Hour, one of the best PlayStation um, VR games at all, I hope that Sony has the foresight to try and go in and update that game to work with the new VR but I'm not holding my breath for them to do so because the reality is, is eventually VR is hopefully going to get so good that you don't want to replay these games that are backwards compatible because they're so outdated to what PSVR or what VR as a medium can be. And that's kind of just where I'm at on it right now. I am excited for PSVR too, but it is quelled by the fact that my day-to-day life makes it hard to even play the VRs that I do have. I have zero interest in PSVR 1. It's so complicated to get set up, and it's so subpar. And when you're playing it, the tracking is constantly getting lost, and every 30 minutes you're having to, re- you're having to retrack and reset things. And it gets to a point where it's not worth it. Um, as far as what can Sony do to regain interest, 
I don't think that's anything right now. If, if Quest is showing you, Quest is selling Bukus, and they're probably still going to sell Bukus after they raise price by $100 coming soon. <laughs> and Sony doesn't need to do anything to regain interest at large because interest is higher than ever for VR. I guess the real question here would be that for you, and this is a question I'm going to ask back to you, uh, Sean, what do you think Sony could do short of backwards compatibility? I mean, because we already have heard you say that. What do you think Sony could do to regain your interest in VR? What is it that you need to see? Is it strictly that they have games like Tom Crisis and House of the Dead? Simpler games that really are pretty fitting for per first PSVR that they, for some reason, chose not to do? Or is it something more? Um, I'll be curious to see if you have an answer for that. Uh, but because I know Chris doesn't have anything else to say, I think we can move on. Um, and we're going to go ahead and move into the news as we usually do here. But remember where we normally have our communities take, you can be part of that, which is where we typically take what we talked about at the end of the previous episode, the main topic as it were. And we throw it out to you guys and let you put all your thoughts in on it. And we kind of reevaluate that, um, with your arguments and your positions and look at how you're feeling. And if that, uh, if that, gives us new insight and changes how we're feeling or not. Uh, you can be part of that by heading over to our social media. You can find us on Twitter at Triangle SQRD. You can find us on Facebook in a group called Triangle Squared, a PlayStation podcast. Ask to be entered into there, and Chris or I will gladly bring you in. Um, you can find us on our Discord, which we always have linked in the description below, uh, where you can find the Communities Take tab where we dedicate it to that, as well as Podcast Open Discussion tab where you can talk about anything with us that we're talking about within the podcast. I'd say it's fair to say, Chris, that Discord's probably the best way to get in touch with us. I think that's the thing we're most active on. Yes, I would say so. But dump it anywhere. If you're watching this video on YouTube instead of listening on audio services, dump it in the comments if you want. Uh, we check those out. Uh, so there you are. We look forward to having you guys be part of the community's take as we're coming back. Uh, and I guess from there, we're going to go ahead and scooch over into the news. First thing on the news is very Chris-centric, more Apex Legends news as Season 14 is on the horizon. Season 14 will feature updates to the game's original map, Kings Canyon. It adds the POI called Relic, which, what's POI? Place of interest? Yeah. Look at that. Yes, sir. Context clues, which takes <laughs> the place of the recently destroyed Skull Town. Jeff Shaw in interviews says the team is focused on the health of the map and making a more balanced spread of drop areas. The season will also include visual changes to Kings Canyon itself, which one can only hope is different than the ugly red tinge that was brought to the world's edge uh, a few seasons ago. Another huge update to the title is that the team is finally increasing the level cap of the game. Players can now go from 1 through 500 three additional times. I think of Prestige and Call of Duty, which will net players an additional 345 loot boxes. So if you're an Apex fiend, you got more to fiend on. You, you can become a junkie once again. Yeah, I'm going back. Um, I will say that I when I wrote this, I was actually wrong. It, they're raising it to 700, and then you can go to 700 three times. Nice. So it's even more loot boxes. No, the loot box number is correct. I just mistyped ah. the, uh, or misunderstood what, the, what it was saying on the other path. 
Nah, it's okay, Chris. We're all human. Yeah, we make mistakes. Speaking and, of mistakes, Sony's yeah. announced an Evo 22. I'm kidding. <laughs> I don't think that's a mistake. It's just funny to, to approach it that way. Uh, no, but Apex, man, we'll break the break behind the, the box a little bit. I was running a few minutes late uh, due to some stomach issues on getting everything set up. And so two minutes after we're supposed to start, Chris goes, hey, when are we going to start? Because the boys are on Apex. So if it's going to be a second, I'm going to hop on. <laughs> this man is clearly, he, he's fiending. He is withdraw- he's showing withdrawal signs for Apex. Yeah. Um, so what I would like to do is ask that you send $20 to Chris so that he can buy whatever things he needs to fulfill his addiction of Apex with whatever <laughs> microtransactions he needs. For just 30 cents a day, you can make a Chris much happier I'm going to go back and add in, in the arms. (laughs) I hope you do do that. Do do. (laughs) Well, look, Um, you know, the easiest way to do that is to timestamp it for 44 minutes. So let's see what happens. Perfect. Anyway, Chris, I'm going to let you have the floor for any final things you want to say about Apex. Um, There's not much. I mean, I'm excited because this will probably bring me back. Um, I haven't been playing nearly as much. I played a little bit this week. I didn't put it with what I was playing because it's just kind of like I played 50 hours of MLB this week. So I didn't put that in there either because I don't need to. But um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, for Apex, we, we got back into it. We've been having a lot of fun. And I'm excited for this. I'm excited for the new character. And I miss Kings Canyon. So I'm looking forward to going back, even though uh, I wish they would just bring back Skulltown, the best map they've done. All right, Chris. I got to say, I'm very proud of you mm. because when I first met you, <laughs> I've, been, I've used the word fiend a few times, but I truly want to impress upon you, audience. This man was a apex fiend. Yeah, Multiple times a week, I'd be <clears throat> playing any game besides Apex because I don't even have Apex downloaded. And Chris would just send me an invite to play Apex and I go, did you mean to do that? He goes, yeah, in case you wanted to play. <laughs> 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 you never know. Once one time you'll accept that invite. So I'm going to keep sending them. I guess that's not true because what, three years on, you've never played Apex with me. So <laughs> I've still never played Apex with you. Yeah. <laughs> still, that's okay, Chris. So don't break your spirits you. now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I can't. You got to do it for old time's sake at this point. Anything is possible. For just 30 cents a day. Guys, send me 20 bucks. Maybe I'll play Apex if I have, uh, if I can like swag myself out uh, with some microtransactions. So for just 30 cents a day, you can make a Brett very happy. (laughs) You just missed the the Gaiden event, which is where I bought my, uh, my Octane Luffy skin. So I was very happy about that. Okay. Yeah, it's well, pretty sick. I don't care about what I'm assuming you're talking about Luffy from One Piece. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, I don't care about One Piece. At Shut all. up. So I'm, I'm happy for awesome. you. I Did I say anything about the quality of a, of <laughs> One Piece? Uh, it doesn't matter. I'm so Chris, gonna, do you need help? Yeah, I need to. I need them to start printing the rest of the book so I can keep reading it. Chris, every time I go out of town into a store, the first thing I do is look if they have One Piece or not so that I can tell you which ones they do or don't have. And they never have the ones that you need. I'm sorry. 
No, I'm waiting until September is when I can get the next ones. Oof. And it's really annoying. In the words of the of the youngsters, oof. The uh, all right, next thing up, as we kind of talked about, Sony has announced an Evo 2022 live stream for August 5th through 6th, which will include games like Street Fighter V and Mortal Kombat 11 Ultimate. <clears throat> excuse me, Ultimate. The publisher also indicated that viewers could look forward to some quote, exciting reveals at the show. So uh, tune in if that, uh, if you can color yourself interested, tune in. Uh, I don't have much to say about that. I'm not a big, I I like fighting games, but I'm the guy who plays the fighting game story, beats it, and I'm like, that was fun. And then I never play that fighting game again. If Multiverses is there, I'll be there. You know what? Maybe it will be. I don't know. Uh, let's see. I guess we're to the part of the show where Chris verbatim in the news, just because I think this is funny. <clears throat> Brett, comma, use this section of the news to talk about the weird near news that I don't care about enough to open an article and summarize. <laughs> so I'll do what Chris couldn't do. He also put a smiley face, I should say. Um, and not like, a, like, not like an emoji, but like the old classic colon close parentheses like, like i love that one that's classic i didn't um, want it, i didn't want it to come off mean because that could have come off mean and while i don't <laughs> care at all i knew you'd want to talk about it so i was like yeah there you go bud well it's it's weird so if you were following the news for a while there was kind of this fun mystery that felt like a maybe an arg maybe some weird there's still one last mystery ala the you know the the last mystery of shadow of the colossus that we've talked about in the show um where a player in the section where i shouldn't say too much but where you go underground uh and 2b and 9s are there and you're in like an old data city for lack of better words there was a player who had found a door as we were being told and in the door, you can enter this church like thing. And there was a hidden boss fight there. It was being presented like, why can't my friends find this door when I can? Oh, I'm on version 1.0 and my friends aren't. Oh, here's a new boss fight that no one's ever seen in the game. And it was a lot of people who are big fans of it were kind of following in and saying, well, it can't be mods. Uh, Lance McDonald, who you may know, you may not, but Lance McDonald is known for doing the 60 frames per second Bloodborne patch on PS4 if you had a modded PS4. Um, He had said that with it being on PlayStation, it was impossible for it to be a mod because the game is not moddable on that system. Uh, There's no mod tools for that yet. And from what I understand, and I actually didn't get to follow it um, the last few days, but I had a friend who had reached out to me and said that apparently it was just a long-winded thing for a reveal that there were mod tools coming for the game. Now, I am going to quickly check that because I want to see what it ended up being. If indeed I can. It's so weird because I don't even know. Uh, I don't even know how to search it. <laughs> I guess I'm going to call it. Oh, here it goes. This is from Kotaku just because they were the first one to pop up. The near Tamada secret door hunt is over in the wildest possible way. And it says, how do you get into the church was how it all started. 
Turns out the whole area was the work of three modders, Devil as Revenge, that's nice, who designed the geography and architecture, Woeful Wolf, who created the tools in Blender and Raider B, who wrote the scripting tools. They're planning on making everything public, but not for a few days. Uh, It's been quite the week. They're tired. So this is fun. It is kind of what Saul and I were thinking when we were having discussions in private about it, where it felt kind of like, we were thinking maybe it was like an ARG to stir up uh, excitement for the game because the Switch release is coming. So we thought that this was like actually Yoko Taro doing this and this was all going to be something they were adding into the Switch version of the game and it was just meant to stir up uh, stuff to get the game to sell more on Switch, which definitely feels in tone with him. Of course, it really technically was kind of like an ARG, an alternate reality game where they get everybody to come together and kind of work to figure out the thing. So pretty interesting, but here we are. That's it. There is no actual secret Sadly. But good work to the modders because it definitely felt like something was going on. Chris, you can uh, unmute yourself if you please now. Oh, I'm back. Uh, Phantom of Saul Bridges, by the way. <laughs> yes, you're right. Me and the Phantom of Saul were talking. Um, no, the, the little funny part of it is that shout out to the modders. If you, for some reason, listen to the show, you probably don't. But if you do, you got a compliment from Chris. Because Blake shared a video in our little private Discord that we have with the ghost of Blake and uh, and Chris and I, and he had tagged me in it. And Chris said, it's a shame I don't like that game because it's actually the coolest looking thing from the game. <laughs> he was saying it in a very flippant, offhanded, like trying to down talk the game. But at the same point, Chris got a, Chris gave them a compliment. So, I mean, it's true. It is the coolest thing I've seen of that game. <laughs> but... Take that how you will, I guess. Take that how you will. Uh, Moving along, next thing up, you may remember there was a game that was originally at one point in time going to be a PlayStation exclusive, and then it wasn't. (laughs) What Remains of Edith Finch is, I guess technically it in a weird way was, (laughs) but it wasn't published by PlayStation like it was originally intended to be. What Remains of Edith Finch is now available on Xbox Series S and X consoles as well as PS5. Uh, so if you want to play it with some next gen, uh, you know, polish, accoutrement, accoutrement, you know, the, you know, what's the little, the, the Italian wrist thing that they do. I, I don't, where you like, you do like your, your, your middle finger to your thumb and you, Ooh, I, I don't know. I've seen it. I've seen it in TV. I don't know what it is. I'm assuming Italian culture has something for this. Otherwise, TV has just been spreading a very wild, potentially baseless uh, stereotype of Italian people. It's but the like Gabagool it. pose. <laughs> okay, there we are. So, um, yeah, if you want to play it with a little bit of that <clears throat> Gabagool, then go play it on PS5. I don't really have... I've heard great things about the game, and I was really excited for it. Played it at PSX uh, before it ever came out. Played a demo of it. Talked to the people who made it, and they were seemed so cool. And then that thing happened where it released, and I just didn't bite. And I've had so many opportunities, and for some reason, there's just something in me that I've not pulled the trigger on the game yet. So, I don't know. Uh, it looks yeah. cool. I've heard it, great it, things. It looks like a game. 
and I hope someone plays it. <laughs> there's polygons. Yeah. Music. There's pixels. <laughs> voxels, even. <laughs> well, I mean, if there's pixels, then there's not voxels. Technically, there's always pixels because your TV displays mm. things in a pixel grid. <laughs> you gonna hit me with a gobble ghoul now? Yeah, gobble ghoul <laughs> yourself, dog. <laughs> <laughs> Go gobble ghoul yourself. <laughs> hey, hey, listen. Does your mother sew? <laughs> Get her to sew that. Uh, I'm telling you, man. I've been needing to watch Joe Dirt something fierce. I've been having a lot of Joe Dirt, Joe Dirt inspired quotations in my life lately. And uh, I need to watch it because I love that movie and I've not watched it in years. It was once a comfort movie for me. I guess I know what you're free to do after this episode ends. <laughs> Duel you on uh, Yu-Gi-Oh? <laughs> I was going to say watch Joe Dirt, but maybe. I mean, you seem like you've been fiending for a duel. And last Thursday, I did not get home in time to duel you. I noticed. Yeah, I was very insulted. And for that, I, look, Chris. I wanted look to gab a duel. Look me in the eyes. You told me to gab Look at my wrist. Myself. Look at uh, my wrist, Chris. I'm sorry. Okay? Oh, okay. Do you see All the right. flick? I, I'm sorry. Hey. hey. Oh. I'll make it up to you today, okay? Tony I'll Soprano. hit you with the gobble ghoul. I'll hit you with the math mech gobble ghoul. And uh, see what happens, okay? Yeah, we'll see. Okay. Next thing up on the news, Sony announced an officially licensed DualSense-themed controller for iPhones in partnership with Backbone. The Backbone 1 PlayStation Edition includes PS-familiar face buttons. So, of course, let me not say X so that the people say, you're not a real PlayStation fan. Cross, circle, triangle, square. (laughs) Wait a nice. minute. That's the name of the show. Um, yeah, so it has those. It has, of course, L1, R1, L2, R2, uh, as you would be familiar with. But it does include asymmetrical sticks, as it is ultimately just a themed version of the standard Backbone one. Uh, it is available now. Cost $100. So go play it if you have an iPhone, and that's something that you want. I assume the market for this is primarily um, for remote play. Because I don't think PS Now... You know, the one thing I've been waiting to see, PS Now got dwindled down. I don't know if you remember way back when PS Now first came out, 2013, 2014. Um, By 2015, they had it on all sorts of stuff. You could uh, use PS Vita to do it. You could use PS3 to do it, PS4 to do it. They had it on select Samsung TVs and Bravia TVs. They had it on the PS Vita or the PlayStation TV, as it was actually called. Um, And then slowly but surely, it dwindled down to where you could only access PS Now on PS5 or PS4, rather, and PC. Yeah. Much... I feel like we've got to be reaching a point where the new PS Plus is going to reach a point where there's an app for it and you can just stream streamable games directly to your phone, right? Yeah, I mean, is there not now? I guess not, but you'd no, think there not. would be. And used to PC users, and I haven't checked, what I was curious about is if the old PS Now app will still work for where PC users can use that to stream games on PC, or if it went defunct the moment that this switched over and PC users just don't have a way to do PS Plus at all yet uh, anymore probably with streaming. I'm probably right. But if you're releasing this controller, right, and you're doing this partnership, I would assume that it's for more than just remote play. So I would be on the lookout for 
some kind of PS Plus app that you can use if you're at the extra or premium tier to stream games directly to your phone. And if that sounds exciting to you, here you go. Now, Chris, I got to ask you, because you were notably silent during the, yeah. the great Discord debate of 2022, of July 2022. Symmetrical sticks. Doesn't matter. Asymmetrical sticks. Do you have a preference? No, they're both sticks. It doesn't bother me either way. I'm okay with both of them. The whole reason this came is that I said that I thought it was interesting that it does have asymmetrical sticks while they're trying to call this a PlayStation-themed one. Because if it was truly PlayStation-themed, you would think that they would go the extra mile to be like, hey, guys, can you swap the replacement of the face buttons and the right analog stick or the D-pad and the left analog stick? Something, right? That I would agree with, yes. Um, but that came up and I was talking about how when I play the Switch with the normal Joy-Cons, for sure, it's most notable uh, notable there. Um, the asymmetric on the right, pushing it so low and it being something you're constantly using is uncomfortable. It makes my thumb kind of hurt after a while and you dig the, the Joy-Con into your hand to try and support it where you can get your thumb low enough. And I really like those little controller peripherals that I got that I can slide onto the side of the uh, Switch and use the Bingbok or whatever they're called, Binbok uh, controllers. <laughs> it's a it's a terrible name, but that's legitimately what they're called, Binbok. It's um, a Bingbong. Bingbong controllers. But you're not wrong. Um, but all of that to say that I ultimately would have preferred the Switch, this is where this all started, to have had the Wii U gamepad style of where both of the analog sticks are in the forward position, but still symmetrical, to where they're both at the top of the device. Kind of similar to what the... Like, I feel like they're too compact on the on the, the Steam Deck, but the Steam Deck has, in my mind, what I would have preferred for the Switch, to where both the analog sticks are in the same position. They're just, you know... And they call it the forward position, but top of the... Um, yeah. Yeah. You're more of a top than a bottom is what you're saying. <laughs> yes, Chris. I'm more of a top than a bottom. Uh, Good for you. But that said, that makes sense as to why you're so quiet. I don't... I, look, I can play both. Definitely, it doesn't bother me near as much on Xbox. It bothers me more. I'll tell you the thing that gets me the most. It's not sticks. It's face buttons, and it's not even between Xbox and PlayStation. I pretty much, before I started playing Switch a lot, I had it down to where if you told me why on Xbox, I knew that it's triangle. The problem is is that Switch comes in and flips A, B, and X, and Y, where it's the same buttons as Xbox, but they're in just different positions. And that gets me all the time. All the time. If I'm switching between playing something on computer with my Xbox controller, tears me up. I mess up all the time. I hit the wrong button. I still do it on Rune Factory 5 almost the entire time I'm playing it. But that's okay. Well, Chris, since you didn't have opinions on the great discussion, the debate, uh, do you have any thoughts on the Backbone 1 in general? Is that something that you feel like you would even buy or do you feel like that's for a market that doesn't include you? It seems like something that I could see myself buying and using once and then never touching again. So I'm not going to buy it. But I don't know. I don't understand why anyone would ever play a game on their phone, like a like a streaming game. If I could download like some mobile version of Horizon Forbidden West, then yeah, sure, maybe. But what what am I going to do? Like log on 
break the stream every time I get a text and then have to start it again. And then by the time the stream restarts, I get another text and then I have I don't to know stop if that's streaming. How it works. But if that is how it works. I mean, if you were to go, I feel like if you go to the PS5 menu there, you would immediately have to start your stream again, right? Well, why are you having to go back to the PS5 menu? I, right. For anything, if I want to check my trophies or I get a message, like I don't, I think it does a streamed version of the HUD, if I remember right. Right. I, um, yeah. The PS3 versions do for sure. I don't. I haven't actually streamed a PS4 game. Um, oh, I did once. It was uh, it was Ghost Runner, the Cyberpunk game. I, I streamed oh, right. that just to try out because I was curious, and it played well. And I streamed it on PS5, uh, but I streamed the just. I was like, I wonder what this looks like and runs like. Um, so I don't know. I mean, playing games on your phone, I can understand. Like when we were really big into Halo and then I went up to vacation with my family, I brought my phone because I knew I could do xCloud on it. And I brought my Xbox controller and just Bluetooth connected it. But for me, it's like what that controller, the backbone one still looks not thick enough. Like it still looks thin. It just looks like a switch. And that already bothers me. I would rather for myself when I already have a controller, just bring my controller Bluetooth it to the phone and just prop the phone up somewhere and play it. Like I did whenever we were up there and I still got Mm -hmm. halo games in. I would agree with that. I think the bigger thing for me here is why specifically iPhone? Why would you not like the backbone, the backbone one exists for both Android and iPhone, why would you do the PlayStation Edition only available for iPhone? Because the iPhone's better. I mean, maybe it is, but the market clearly has spoken, and Android dominates the smartphone market. So, if you're wanting this thing to be, why would you not? Why would you not look at both sides of the of the market? Ostensibly, if you're only going to do one, it would make more sense to do the Android one because it's a larger market share. But if you're looking at maybe a specific country, maybe. In you know the U.S. or across all the territories that are they're most focused on, maybe iPhone has the light advantage, but you're still leaving out roughly half of the the market by not doing an Android version. So I it's would just argue a curious that choice. someone, and this is not a disparaging thing towards Android. I actually had one. I don't mind them, but I would imagine someone who's spending the money on an iPhone probably has the expendable money to spend a hundred dollars on some crappy peripheral. That's just you know. I don't know if that makes sense, but maybe that's why is they're like, I can see the maybe iPhone users just use remote play more, but I could also maybe. see Sony looking at them and being like, this phone is $1,500 and the watch is $500 and most of them have both. So then there you go. You know, you get your backbone controller, you spend that money. It's a hundred dollar peripheral for your phone. I get where you're coming from and not, but it's weird because a lot of people act like, if you're Android, it's because you're cheap. But in the reality, man, the the majority of phones that compete with Apple, yes, there's plenty of cheap Android phones. That's the benefit of it, is that you can buy a $200 Android phone. And it's a surprisingly solid phone. I've done it for work phones and stuff in the past when I didn't want to, you know, my, my extra work line. I was like, I don't care if I break this phone or if something happens to it. But... You can get the iPhone 13 for like $700 or $800, uh, which the Pixel the Pixel 6 is, I think, 699 
and the Pixel Six Pro was nine nine ninety nine or eight ninety nine, and at the time, you know, the, all I'm getting at Samsung Galaxy S twenty two Ultra is like a thirteen hundred dollar phone. It's directly in line with the price line of yeah, uh, Apple. and that's not even what I'm so, arguing. I'm just saying how many of those is cheaper phones. It doesn't really matter. I was just kind of trying to come up with a reason. It wasn't no, a good I get one. You. It's a good devil's advocate move of looking at arguably people who are buying Apple tend to spend more because across the board, the Apple market share is made up of devices that bottom line are cost you still $700, $800, whatever it is, versus Samsung. If you even want to look at them, their lowest phones, you can get a Samsung phone that's like $80. Doesn't mean that's right. the majority of them necessarily. You can get a Huawei phone that's 150 bucks, but you know, you can also get a a Huawei phone that's probably 700. dollars So it's an interesting choice. I'm more curious if this is just staggered release and that in the long run they are going to do an Android one and they just got this one out first because, I mean, I say, like you yeah. said, maybe there's metrics that are just right now more people will use Remote Play on on iPhone. Maybe that's the case. That's what I would guess personally. Yeah. It's also only one type. I've got the conspiracy. Are you ready? Yeah, go for it. You remember Apple was looking to buy a PlayStation. Yeah. They're in talks for that right now. And Sony doesn't want to release a peripheral for the Android for for what could eventually become their competitor. That's, yeah, super maybe. Super possibly, maybe. (laughs) So that's definitely an idea that you've had. Do you really think that PlayStation? I should say this. Do you really think that Apple would seriously, seriously look at buying PlayStation? And secondarily, do you think PlayStation would sell to Apple? Yes. Money is money, baby. Bigger question. Because this is important. Do you think Sony would sell the PlayStation brand? Essentially the the primary thing keeping them in business, but not basically would it be that Apple would be buying Sony, which would at least make sense because then Sony would be like, well, the whole company's now under them. Or do you think Sony would actually be bold enough to break off one of their primary forms of income in PlayStation? I feel like if, if they sold PlayStation, Sony would go under after a while because none of their other markets are that successful. Sadly, I would also argue that the rest of Sony is just as valuable to a company as Apple, like Apple as PlayStation is. So Apple uses uh, Sony sensors. Yeah, they use uh, Sony's camera sensors in their phones. Yeah, and Sony makes great monitors. They make great TVs. Like it seems Mm -hmm. like that fits a little just as well with them. Maybe. And then Apple suddenly has places that have, you know, oh, look, now we've got production lines for TVs and we can start doing TVs with, this is the Apple TV made by Sony. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. That would be really weird, but it's not impossible. So I guess we'll wait and see what happens as uh, conglomerates continue to conglomerate, as they they say. Moving along, if you're a system update beta member like I am, the new update that released on the 28th brought with it 1440p support, uh, and that supports both 60 and 120 hertz in both SDR and HDR, so that's standard color range and high um, high color range. Um, 
high dynamic. Uh, but either way, both of those, but they do not support VRR within that yet. Um, that should that sounds like it's probably going to be coming, but still nice to see that they support enough options. Uh, games list, which is just a really dumb way to say folders. Uh, the beta also brings forward a way to compare 3D audio to the regular stereo audio so that you can get a better idea of what your specific Tempest audio thing is. Now, speaking of Tempest audio, you know, Mark Cerny kind of acted like they were going to add a lot of uh, audio modes in the time post-launch for the PS5, but we really haven't seen much added or changed to the Tempest Audio engine, sadly. And that's unfortunate, because I was really hoping that that was something that... I mean, it is nice, and what they have is cool, but it's not as game-changing yet as what he describes uh, whenever he's initially announcing them. And I'm curious as to when we're going to see that. But, I don't know. We'll definitely see. They have... Go ahead. What's the Go question? Uh, it was really, it was specifically along the lines of what, like of all the things, this is where I'm coming from. So this is my opinion. The most next gen things right now have honestly been coming in the way of the controller. And then audio has a way to step in and do that because while graphics certainly yeah. look nice, uh, that's not the generational leap. The generation generational leap is SSD on PlayStation Five and not far off, pretty similar on Xbox controller with the DualSense for PlayStation. No competition from the Xbox on that. Uh, and then potentially, if they can manage to nail it, they have the ace in the hole of audio, which Xbox also doesn't have an answer for it but the audio is not quite there the controller i'd argue is and the ssd both of them have that um controller needs a better battery but yeah i agree with that too it's better than the dualshock 4 but it's not good enough (laughs) i don't know i feel like i'm always switching controllers that's yeah dualshock 4 must have been worse than i remember um it's about four to six hours (laughs) for the dualshock 4 it's a, it's about eight to eight to ten or six to ten for the dual sense. I don't know. I feel like we're at the point where graphics can't and shouldn't really get much better. Uh, at a certain point, like what are we doing? Like I think Sony made a comment like looking for human level graphics or something like that. Like at that point, you're just all you've just circled all the way back to the '90s and we're doing FMV Mortal Kombat, like. I don't really know what's going on here. Like at a certain point, I feel like load times, give me innovations to the controller, give me immersive like ways for me to play, but I don't need like, Oh, look at all these pixels and apparently not voxels, uh, in your games. Like, Oh, look at how great this Brown eye looks on Aloy. I'm like, I don't, I don't give a shit. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think it matters at a certain point and we kind of need to get to a point where it's just, the games are better, they're faster, the technology allows for more stuff, but I think we're going to have to start moving away from graphics because we're never going to get a PS2 to PS3 again. It's never going to happen. I agree with that. I, as as much as like, come wrong, I wouldn't call it jaw hitting the floor, but I definitely had the closest I've gotten to that in playing Demon Souls on PS5, right? Mm-hmm. That was like a, whoa, this is amazing looking. But in all reality, it's not the same level 
that I had when I went from playing God of War on PS2, even God of War 2 on PS2, which came uh, a little bit later in 2007, um, and looked great for a PS2 game. The, <laughs> when I first played MotorStorm, I could not believe my eyes. And now I try to think like, is that partially also because I was young and you know, when you're young, your brain kind of hypes stuff up. But I really just think it's that, like you say, there wasn't a jump at that res that level of like, suddenly you're in high def resolution. Suddenly there's details that games just could never have before. Like when you wreck a car, you can pause the game and swing the camera around and you can see every bolt and nut. They say every, but it was probably simplified, but it looked cool to have that level of detail and texture work. And I don't think we're going to see that jump again. You want to see all my nuts, huh? <laughs> I do, Chris. Show me. Yeah. Show me all of your nuts. You already showed me all that ass, man. You were double-cheeked up uh, <laughs> earlier. You got out that oh, chair. Yeah. I got, I, I, yeah, got I thought I called a plumber. <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I, thought, I thought Triangle Squared was having some plumbing issues. But going back around... Uh, to what you're saying, graphics are better, right? But we're at this point where I think it's about what sells the image to look unique and interesting in a way that we haven't done before. And that's not really with sheer graphics anymore. One of the things that I think you have also gotten into this generation and I have as well is I no longer, like I did for the PS4 Pro, I used to always choose the highest resolution with the Lock 30. Partially, that was because every game mostly had unlocked frame rate. If you chose to go to the to that, where it'd be sub, you know, four K or eighteen hundred P or whatever, but it would be like, you know, sometimes it hits fifty frames per second. Part of it was I didn't like how inconsistent the frame rate was, so I'd rather it just look better and play at a consistent frame rate. But now we're at a point right. in PS Five where every game that has a sixty frames per second mode, which is pretty much every game. I play in 60 frames per second. And that's partially because the frame rate helps the game world look smoother, which in a way helps it look better. Doesn't look so blurry. It looks very, you know, it it feels good faster. And then you have games like uh, Insomniac, what they're doing with both Ratchet and Clank and Spider-Man Miles Morales, where they have ray tracing at 60 frames per second. And there's something about the way that the lighting of ray tracing, even for just small things like reflection, really changes the way that everything feels anchored. And even though the game technically looks worse from a resolution standpoint, and probably pulled back on some of the you know effects that are going on to keep its frame rate and still keep ray tracing, I think the trade-off for those two things that are like brute force, what your mind thinks of as looking great, it's a trade-off that's worth it because I don't know that any game short of Demon Souls looks better than 60 frames per second performance ray tracing modes for both Ratchet and Clank or, or Miles Morales. I think both of those games look stupid good without and pushing a pushing a lower resolution ultimately than even some games did last gen on PS4 Pro. Um, so I agree with you. It's got the the change is going to be elsewhere. But even speaking of of Human-like graphics, right? You're saying human-like presentation. Mm-hmm. I think what you lose there is the artistry of games. Sure. Stray looks amazing. Stray does not always look real. It has moments where I'm like, damn, the way that that light hits that texture does look really good. 
Yeah. But Stray looks most memorable to me when I get to see the artistry of the creator shine. Like the way the robots look and the way they dress and the style that they choose to portray them in. Not style like clothes, but more like the style of how they choose to draw and proportion. I would almost argue The Last of Us 2 looks st- stupid good. And a lot of people would go towards saying it looks realistic. But what we're really saying, or at least what I'm saying, is that it is striking a very fine line between looking as close to realistic as I think games can probably get without sacrificing the stylization that makes games look unique. And I think that there's something about looking at Joel in The Last of Us 2 or looking at Ellie or any character and looking at them and going, they do look real, but they still look stylized in a way that's only capable through non-realistic means. But I like that. I don't want The Last of Us to just look like Pedro Pascal and whatever the girl that's playing Ellie. Bella Ramsey. You know? I that's I that's not what I'm going for. I like the style of the game. Um so I agree. The we're we're hitting diminishing returns and uh Moore's Law is kind of coming oh. to a head. But we can move the needle to what we consider to be next gen. Go ahead, Chris. You can kind of tell we're hitting diminishing returns. I feel like we're at a point where people are starting to bring back like N64 graphics. You know what I mean? And like we want it to be stylized like the N64. Like there's that game that PlayStation has been pumping. I don't remember what it's called, like Frog something. And it's a, it looks like an N64 game. And that's fine. I'm not insulting the game or anything. It's just uh, that is kind of where I'm at, where I'm like, we're going back because everything is starting to homogenize. Well, yeah, you're not wrong because um, one of the listeners, um, SJ Swanlin, Stefan, um, we were messaging over on Discord. He was private messaging me and showing me some stuff. And we were talking about, uh, he, he was asking if I'd seen some horror games. Um, and I was talking about how he, he sent me about a game that's called Nobody Lives Under the Lighthouse. Or No One Lives Under the Lighthouse, I'm sorry. And um, it's a game, and we were talking about how we're at this point where a lot of horror games, definitely on computer, have really started to adopt what we're, what we're going to call lo-fi PSX aesthetic, like PS1 aesthetic. And this is a modern game. I mean, it came out in like 2020, but it's purposely doing things to give the jagged edge appearance and the very low poly appearance of a PlayStation one game. And I was like, I was saying like, like, it's weird that I've seen games doing this and he's sent some others that are doing it. And I was like, you know, I asked him, I was like, do you feel like this art style is ultimately more creepy to you? And he's like, yeah, I think it's more suspenseful and weird because it leaves more to the imagination. There's something about its low render thing that is inherently more creepy. And while Mm -hmm. I don't know for sure that I agree it does speak volumes to what you're talking about to where games are currently hyped more often than not right now when they go the extra mile to look anything but realistic. Yeah. The game I was talking about is called um, Frog Gun. It's out today. I sent you the, the video of it, but it's an N64 game. Oh, yeah, that looks... It almost looks like, (laughs) 
it looks like a mix between a PS1 and N64 game. It has like smatterings of like Mario 64 and then smatterings of like Ape Escape. Yeah. And I, I'm I kind of want to I kind of want to pick it up. I'm just not going to do it today, but it looks fun. I think some of that's also nostalgia, man. Because uh, you know, one of the things that I think hit real big when COVID hit, and I noticed it even among myself and other friends, there was like a yearning for nostalgia. And I don't know if it's just because we were in like delicate places, being locked away and not able to go see as many people, and life was changing, so you sought out that comfort of nostalgia and things that you were once found comfort in. Um, but I, I don't think it's necessarily, I don't think it's a coincidence that we started playing Yu-Gi-Oh again in 2021 just because I think that it partially had to play with the fact that I saw a lot of people get a real yearning for nostalgia and something about that, like, you know, some things that they are familiar with, but have felt distant. Um, and we've kept going and we've kind of kept doing that. And I think games have been speaking to that to some degree as well. Um, I mean, it's been going on before that. I mean, uh, ukulele and that what the mm-hmm. game was called from the banjo, uh, TV people. Um, and then of course, nostalgia without, with the new graphical shine to it. Like we saw with Spyro reignited and the crash insane trilogy. It's been, Kind of hitting. And uh, another one that's around right now is Klonoa, the remakes for Klonoa. Go ahead. True. I do want to pick those up. I don't know why. I've never played them, but I've heard good things. I played the first Klonoa. Great game. I remember when we talked about how I was playing Silent Hill 2, and I mentioned that like I thought that game was way scarier because it looked like crap. Like just the fact that they had to do stuff like the, they had to force the fog in there and stuff like that, and it makes me wonder if I would actually like Resident Evil Two a lot more if that game didn't play like crap on the PS on the PS One. Like, would like I if, be more it, into it if it played because, like the remake, but it visually had the stylings of the first? Yeah, because I don't think the remake is scary. I but it's not. It's, it's tense not, whenever you right. have Mister X chasing you. But it's not scary. It's not horror. It's but just, even then, with Mister X, like you get to a point in that game where you just quick turn, shoot him twice in the head with a magnum, and then continue on your way. You know, yeah. I mean, sure. I've, I've, and I, I'm talking from a play in the place of a gamer privilege because I've beaten that game like eight times. But so you have a level I, of comfort with him. The tension's gone because you've survived enough that the feeling of that, he's going to get me has left you. That yeah. and I have an unlimited rocket launcher, so <laughs> <laughs> so it changes it. But I feel like just the look of the older games is what made them scary, personally. And I think we've gotten yeah. to the point of it looks so good that it can't be scary anymore because it doesn't look. You can't. It looks close enough to real that you can't pretend that it's not obvious that it's not. I guess I don't know how to really explain it. I don't know about that, but I think you may have brushed on what I think the answer actually is. And it's weird because really you're doing it through all the filters and things. But I think it's less that the old games 
looked scarier just because of them being lower resolution and lower poly. I think that a second ago you said like they had to force the fog in the game because there wasn't systems to do so. I think what it is is that the solutions to the problems that they had that they came up with, like, oh, there's no real way to do fog, so we're going to have to come up with something that approximates fog. The way they chose to do that, their solution ended up being creepier than anything they could have naturally done. Sure. And I think that, so it's, it's more that the style of the games were informed by the limitations of the console, which means that the solutions are what made games unique at the time. So. I would agree with that. Oh, by the way, Brad, I've been forgetting to tell you, but that guy who was supposed to send you Force Unleashed just sent it to me. So he's getting a negative review on eBay. That butt nugget. I noticed. I meant to ask you because I was like, you said it shipped and I'm pretty sure it was shipping from Texas and I don't have it. Yeah. But that's okay. Which is almost dumber. You could have driven the thing to you <laughs> instead of shipping it. But With gas being what it is, not for any kind of reasonable, <laughs> reasonable amount. Valid point. Yeah. I just drove to Galveston. I live in Texarkana. We drove to Galveston. It's a six-hour drive. We had kids and dogs, so it was a seven-hour drive because we had to stop a bunch. And that was not even close to the other side of Texas. <laughs> it's like <laughs> the bottom of Texas. And we're like in the dead middle of the, the east side of Texas. It's Texas is stupid big. It, it's Stupid big, Chris. You you were with me when I drove three and a half hours to get you and take you back. This is a good point. You're not wrong. And Dallas is not even like in the middle of Texas. <laughs> it's, so it's like another eight hours past Dallas to get to the next state. It's stupid. But that's okay, I suppose. Anyway, <laughs> uh, that being said, I don't know... I guess we were talking about features for the uh, for the system update. But some of these I'm glad to see coming back. I mean, folders, whatever you want to call them. 1440p support's cool. Some people could argue, why do they need that? Uh, they need that because they just announced their own brand of uh, in-zone monitors that are 1440p. And so, yeah, they would want to support that with their system that they make. <laughs> but also, competition is doing it. If you can, why not? That's what I say. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm cool with all of this. I actually haven't done the system update yet because I just haven't bothered myself. I've been so caught up where every time my PlayStation's on, I'm playing straight. You're caught so, up. Won't let me out. Sorry. Uh, I guess. No, you're good. I, I can't think of anything else we'd want to say on that. I mean, is there anything? Are you a system update? No, uh, I'm beta not. Member? So I, I'm not in it. The game list seems cool, but. I don't know. The PS5 is pretty easy to navigate, so I don't really see why you need it to begin with. Yeah, well, again, there's there's so much about this conversation that's going to brush into the same... The way I play games informs all these things that while I want them there as a feature level for other people, they don't impact me. No. Like, folders don't impact me at all. <laughs> it's just, you know, it's, it is what it is. Uh, so, but... Moving on to the next thing. We, of course, know that PlayStation Plus, uh, the extra and premium tiers, have been doing the things the way of the Game Pass, where you every month will get new additions. So with that said, the PS Plus extra and premium tier additions for this month are eight Yakuza games. So that's Yakuza 0, 
Yakuza 1 Kiwami, Yakuza 2 Kiwami, Yakuza 3, 4, and 5, which, if I'm not mistaken, are all remasters of PS3 games. Yep. And then Yakuza 6, 7, and I think that's it. 8 is not yet on there, right? Well, 8 does not exist, so. That's right. 7 is like a dragon. Yeah. Correct. My bad. Yes. For some reason, 8 is what they're working on right now. But I did start playing seven again because now i don't have to switch discs so i'm very happy about that i can (laughs) leave mlb in the console well that's honestly been part of why i stopped playing it is i started playing mlb and then i would finish i would put yakuza in get like 20 minutes in and be like i want to play more mlb have to switch the discs so then i just stopped playing yakuza entirely so now that it's downloadable this is your digital villain backstory right exactly this is how I became this way. <laughs> you go to other people's houses and break their discs. Yeah. You, no, you, you go to people's houses like Santa in the night. You break into their house and steal the disc drives off of their consoles. <laughs> <laughs> so their console can still turn on, but they have to buy all their games digitally. Yeah, I have to raise a legendary Pokemon that gets rid of all the discs. Now, here's the thing. Mm. I'm, I'm going to teach you some next level crime right now. Okay, you ready? Okay. Before you go and break into people's houses and steal the disk drives from their consoles, hear me out. Yeah. You buy stock in SSD manufacturers, Samsung, whoever it be. Okay. Because once you start doing this, people are going to start buying SSDs and hard drives, and your stock will mature. And much like in Monopoly, you'll get $100 from the bank. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it works. You just get 100 bucks. That's what it says. It's a chance card, if I'm not mistaken. It might be community's chest, but it says, your stock has matured. Collect $100. <laughs> I wish that's I like how simple that. it was. Yeah, don't I wish. There you go. That's that's my... Uh, now, clearly, I'm not really suggesting anyone do this. But yeah, if you want to make money, uh, buy stock in the... Uh, the memory, you know, the the, <laughs> the memory industry, uh, storage, digital storage, and then go and steal people's disk drives so that they're forced to move further in. And actually, while we're on the topic of that, uh, I don't think you have it in the news, but if I'm not mistaken, PlayStation earnings called digital games. I want to say that's like it's some ridiculous amount of. Yeah, okay, PlayStation. Now, this is in February 7th, so that's not quite it. I'm trying to look for it. Digital software accounted for 79% of quarterly game sales in the last quarter for PlayStation. So we are very quickly approaching a point where I am curious if Sony's going to drastically alter how many physical PS5s versus digital PS5s that they produce. Or if they're really going to stay the course and let people buy the physical one, because I still feel like a lot of people buy the physical on the off chance that they ever want to play a game physically. Because it's still capable of playing digital games. So even if you do buy all digital, I don't know. Well, that that was my main reason for buying that one. I know that every once in a while, Amazon will have a game for incredibly cheap that just makes up the price in and of itself. So there's mm. no reason not to spend an extra hundred dollars when I think if I really look at it, I've probably saved that hundred dollars already. 
on yeah. physical games. So, like, I think I Whether got you've lost played judgment. those physical games or not. But, yeah, yeah, another question. Realistically, <laughs> waste of money regardless. But I know, like, I bought Lost Judgment for 20 bucks on Amazon, and it's still $60 on PSN. Like, yeah, there you go. That's That's 40 right there. Yeah, big issue that comes from that. Like, you know, it's, it's a double-edged sword, though, right? Because in opposition, uh, you know, D- uh, po- uh, Pokemon Digimon Survive came out. Great. And I was like, you know what? I never did play Cyber Sleuth uh, or Hacker's Memories, which are both available on PS4 and PS Vita. And I was like, you know what? I want to play my Vita. I'm, I'll, I'll download those for Vita. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to go look at those and just buy them from the store. Uh, well, apparently some licensing issue happened with Cyber Sleuth and they removed it from the PS store for both PS4 and Vita. And apparently they fixed that licensing issue because you can buy the game on Switch right now, but they've never relisted it for Vita. So I just can't get that game unless I go physical, right? Yeah. Uh, and the problem is, is that the physical version of that game, because the digital version no longer exists, the physical version is like super rare. It's like $100 now. Whereas if it was still available digitally, even if it was $60 or $40 or 50, it would be significantly cheaper to buy it digital. But alas. Yep. 99 bucks. Hey, there's one for $84. Yay. Well, if you remember, I have a modded Vita. Um, and I'm probably just going to buy hackers memories because I can still buy it and just uh, have to be unsavory for the first game. Would it count if I buy it for Switch? Because you can get, like, for $15, you can get both the games for Switch. But if I love the games, I want the trophies. <laughs> if I love the games. so And I want to play my Vita anyway. So if I buy the games for Switch, but then download the Vita version, am I morally in the... In the am I in I'm going to say, <laughs> if you buy them on Switch, you should just play them there, because you're not going to get the Platinum. So... <laughs> I'm also just looking for a reason to play my Vita. Because I love it. Well, you should play your Vita to finish your kills on Mercenaries trophies because those servers shut down on August 15th. So, Oh, crap. No! <laughs> <laughs> What's funny is I'm, I'm not that far. I just don't feel like doing it. Yeah, Ugh. but it's going to be done. So you, you might as well get some pep in your step, some hell in your ghast, and uh, get those trophies, dog. Do you have your Vita and kills on Mercenary? I have it, yeah. I'll download it. Are you gonna be a are you gonna be a dirty trophy whore with me? You're gonna spread your legs? I wasn't <laughs> going to, but I guess I'll do it. I'll try it. This would be the only other time I've ever done that was with Mod Nation Racers uh for Vita, the road trip. Yeah. I got the platinum for that like two weeks before they, they closed the That's servers because I knew it was coming. Platinum, so And I was close and I was like, All right, we gotta do this. Yeah, I mean, if you go for it and you, you're willing to help me who has nothing at all unlocked for it, I'll do it. All you have to get is the multiplayer trophies. I have none of them. Okay, I mean, I'll help you. I don't think Let's at do least. It. So if we do those, then you can still get the platinum as long as it's the stuff for the story. You'll be good. Good call. Putting out the call now for all uh, Triangle Squared listeners. We need multiplayer partners. Yes, the ISA needs you. I still need uh, Resistance Burning Skies. I need to play one game. One online game. They haven't... Hold on. They're closing They're closing the Killzone Mercenary servers, but they still not closed the, <laughs> the Resistance Burning Skies ones. That's ostensibly the worst game. Uh, it still looks like it's on, yeah. Insanity. But at the same time, yep. 
at least some resistance game lives on because resistance two and three and one servers are fucking gone. <laughs> they, we should, I wish we dead. could go back and do the resistance true 10, the resistance to uh, 10,000 kills thing. You know, grind that out. Ironically, I almost wonder, is it 10,000 kills in multiplayer? It is. Yeah. I almost wonder if I have that. I played that game online mad. I guess I can do PSN profile. I'll check while you move on to the next thing. Look at you, Chris. I may not. I don't know. But it's possible. All things are possible. I'll check. Through I'll Jesus Cristo. Uh, lastly, the big, uh, not la- last on the news at the very least, that Chris has in here is the big stink of the uh, of the week. Grand Theft Auto 6, uh, the game that will come out apparently 2024, at least <laughs> two years away. That's what they say. Will take place in Miami or a fictionalized version of Miami, which I guess means that we're going back to Vice City. Um, well, which at that point, that's basically what they do, right? They they've they did all these things, and they're just rotating back through and doing bigger versions of the PS2 games worlds, right? Because yeah. Grand Theft Auto Four was Liberty City, massively expanded. Uh, Grand Theft Auto Five is Los Santos or whatever, or it at least includes Los Santos. If it's not, I, I know it's more than the original uh, San Andreas map. Um, and then now you it looks like we're maybe going trophy. back to. Dang, I wonder how close I am. Too bad Couldn't they don't have you. trophy tracking back then. You know, <laughs> that would be nice, right? Yeah, that would have been a cool trophy to have. Even if I didn't have the platinum, I could be like, at least I got 10,000 kills. Dude, if you for had a very trophy, short period of time, I was like third in the US on ranked for uh, wow. solo mode, 1v8. Wow. Uh, very good. Wow. Um, let's see. Grand Theft Auto 6 will take place. This is Video Games Chronicle. As you know, Chris is a uh, VGC man. Uh, do you do you buy them for? I buy them for the articles, okay? Oh yeah, <laughs> all those Andy Robinson articles. Yeah, Grand Theft Auto Six take place in an area based on Miami and may feature a female playable character. Now, May is interesting; it's been claimed. Um, they were talking about as some of the things is said that. I'm going to read some of the quotes off because this is interesting. So this is apparently originally reported by Bloomberg, probably Jason Schreier, uh, says that they say it's at least two years away from his source. Uh, The rest of this says, quote, early designs called for the inclusion of territories modeled after large swaths of North and South America. But the company reeled in those ambitions and cut the main map down to a fictional version of Miami and its surrounding areas. Quote, Rockstar's next game, Grand Theft Auto 6, will include a playable female protagonist, end quote, Bloomberg adds, um, citing sources familiar with the game. Now, here's where we pick up on a little bit more of a a description. This says, quote, the woman who is Latina will be one of a pair of leading characters in a story influenced by the bank robbers Bonnie and Clyde, the people said. Developers are also being cautious not to quote punch down by making jokes about marginalized groups that people said in contrast to previous games and quote larger now first thing i have here is that i see a lot of people and this is sensationalism because it's what drives clicks if i were to look at this which i did earlier in the week when i saw it and read that i don't interpret this as grand theft auto 6 will 
only feature a female character. I take this as the game will very likely be that you either play as the female or the male character for this story that's based around both of them and you choose which one you're going to be and then because the game is both of them and their stories together you essentially experience the same story through the lens of either being a male or a female and you get that added layer of getting to have crafted characters without having to worry about character creation but still having the ability to represent both sides uh, male and female that's how I would take this I mean, I don't know if... Uh, would you agree? I would agree. Um, but I also don't think people are up in arms about the female character part of that quote, so... Yeah, I, yeah. No, I agree that... No, don't be wrong. I've seen people, and as we mentioned earlier, throw this out there, the online bubble of the internet is not... They do not speak Real for life. the entire fan base of anything. No. We understand that. So as we're saying here, we're clearly referencing the very vocal part of the internet that said something. But I've seen on the internet people who are specifically talking about the fact that this is... Actually, I want to take a step back. I'll be honest. What I've seen on the internet is people complaining about people complaining about the female. I've actually not seen a single person say, this is a female... I'm playing as a female. This is bullshit. Correct. The only people I've seen actually talking about it being that you play as a female is dudes saying, oh, cool. In most games where you get to choose, I already choose a female character, so I don't mind. Yep. Yeah, I've I've heard a lot of people t- complaining about people complaining about people complaining, but not seeing anybody complaining. <laughs> yeah. So to that end, where I think more of the thing, and I've definitely seen a lot of conversations on this, and I think that I see some of the arguments on the opposing side, and then I kind of have my own thoughts in one direction. But Chris, I'm assuming that the part that you said that you think is being more taken for scrutiny is this idea of, quote, developers are also being cautious not to punch down by making jokes about marginalized groups. Um in comparison or in contrast rather to previous games. And I've seen a lot of discussion about this and I kind of understand where people are starting at. A lot of people are saying, and I think I'd agree with this, but I also have the position of being a white male. So my opinion doesn't carry the same weight. Apparently I'll let you know about that as I'm a Puerto Rican man. You Chris, you will be the judge of everything. You can weigh down my opinion, however you see fit, but I've seen people say, and I think I kind of agree with this whenever I think back to my times playing uh, definitely the PS2 games, which I did play and beat all of. Now, four I beat, five I did not. So how pertaining to five this is, I don't know. But I've seen a lot of people express their opinion that the games didn't punch down. It's that the games are punching all the way around, and therefore, by always punching every group you are making the marginalized groups part of the grander whole of everybody being targeted. And that's inclusion by nature of not, not joking about them because they're a specific group, but rather joking about them as you joke about everybody else. And the flip side of that argument I've seen people say, or they're supporting evidence to the argument is that while the game may have things that you can consider insensitive about one group, if you try and laser focus in on only that one joke and not every other joke that happens throughout the game is that 
how can the games be punching down when one of the most popular DLCs in all Grand Theft Auto time is The Ballad of Gay Tony, a story specifically about a marginalized person. Um, as well as I've seen people talk about that one of the favorite Grand Theft Auto stories out there uh, features CJ and it's a predominantly black cast for a game in, on the PS2. Uh, so inclusion is clearly not away from them. Uh, that's where I've kind of seen people say, and I think I mostly land in that. You know, I'm not a huge Grand Theft Auto fan, so I don't think this impacts me the same way. But I think games as a whole have definitely been leading to this point of going back to the male-female thing just letting you choose and then writing a story that kind of works around both ways. Um, they do it in a number of ways, but I think Grand Theft Auto, their whole point is to swing all the way around. They make fun of rich people while they make fun of poor people, while they make fun of rednecks, while they make fun of very proper people. Well, you know, it's that kind of is their thing. And I don't, necessarily know that for me i agree that that is punching down but i know punching down is a very internet driven terminology right now uh so chris as the triangle squared resident poc here hola i'm gonna let you have um a swing at it because not only are you that you're also far more involved in modern grand theft auto than i am it's a series that has lost touch with me so in playing five and knowing what they've done with five, what are your hopes for six? And do you, uh, I, uh, clearly this doesn't seem to ring well for you and what you were hoping, but expand on that. What are your thoughts on all of this, the game? And of course the general uh, discourse around it. My biggest problem with this is the, the general discourse is ridiculous because people are focusing on the female thing because I think nobody, nobody who's focusing on the female thing wants to address the other part. You know, like no one wants mm-hmm. to have a conversation about, oh, Rockstar is moving away from making fun of everyone. Because I think the thing is like, this would be if like Eric Kripke was like, you know, what? we're not going to punch down anymore. And then they just only made jokes on the right, right wing's behalf. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it for would the boys. be like, you know, because the boys does everybody. They make fun of everybody. You know, they make fun of uh, leftists and Disney and right wing and rednecks and Trump and all this stuff. And that works very well. But it would be noticeable when you see something like like that new Star Wars show. They're talking about how, oh, it it takes on the Trump era and we're going to, you know, and it's like, okay, well, I don't want to watch that because that doesn't it has nothing to do with politics at all. It's like you're just you're going to have to force yourself into like showing these things and making them seem at a certain point more important than they are. Right. And I think it, this can do the same thing where, Oh, we're no longer going to make fun of this group and this group and this group and this group, which means at a certain point, are we only making fun of the white people, (laughs) which is whatever. That doesn't affect me. It affects you more than me, but (laughs) I don't want to, I don't want to see that, you know, doesn't affect me at all because I don't care. (laughs) Well, my point is that you're a white man, so yeah. But people, will. yeah, I get you. But just to clarify that thing, I don't care. Now, of course, the argument that people make about that for for white people is that I have the privilege of being able to not care, and I can't speak on that because i I have never lived as anything other than who I am. So i i I guess I'll give them that. I can't speak on that. But it's not that 
for me, at least, the sense, at least in the way that it comes through my head, it's not that I don't care because I'm already enjoying the white privilege. Now, you could argue that that is it, and I'm just, because it's so ingrained in society and our people that I'm not even aware of the reason that that's why I don't care. I think it's more that I don't care because you can make fun of me for things that don't involve being white, and I still think it's fine. You can make fun of me for liking Yu-Gi-Oh!, as a, which we talked about earlier, this idea that Yu-Gi-Oh is a kid's game, which is incredibly not the case. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, point it. being, you can make fun of me for anything you want. You can make fun of me for my my lisp, which is something that's also a trait that I didn't choose to have and have worked on trying to minimize. And thankfully, most people seem to get to a point where they either never noticed it or more likely they get to a point where they just don't notice it anymore. Um but I just don't care. Now, that may be because my entire life has been lived as someone who hasn't had to worry about people doing that. People made fun of me for plenty of things, but I ultimately don't care. So, but continue with your point. I just, I know that that's a, a, a hot topic around why I may have the freedom of not caring versus someone else. I don't know. Yeah, I was just saying that all the jokes would be at white people's expense, which you're white. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I don't know. My point is like, as I like seeing every, I don't know, like, I just don't want it. Once, once you, once you have to make a point of not making fun of people, you, you get to a point where you're like, oh, this is dumb. It's kind of like, well, peel back the curtain. When I got really concerned that I made a racist joke on this podcast and I didn't mean it that way, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Once yeah, you're laser focused on this, on that, you're not making the jokes you know, that you, you need to make. Like I, I said that to you, I heard it as I listened back to the show. And I was like, oh shit. But then like, but the joke I think was, I think it was funny in context and like it worked and it clearly wasn't intended. Yeah. And all you're saying is that you had that hyper-focused moment of it could be construed to mean this, even though right. clearly it didn't. And you know, that's where I think, at some point, it's just got to be that almost anything can be construed in a way that's negative mm-hmm. uh, and in a way that is not in spirit of what you meant when you said something or did something. And uh, I'm a big fan of just looking at people's intent as much as you can and looking at the context of the situation around and being able to come to the conclusion that the most likely thing is that they did not intend to say it in the way that you may be interpreting it as. And that's got to mean something. Yeah. I think we're all very quick to call someone like, oh, you're a racist because you said something that I construe as racist. And it's like, no, no, I'm I'm not. You know, it's why I always make the joke that like I have black friends is the definitive best answer to are you racist? But people pretend that it's not. It's like a racist person wouldn't have black friends. It's like objectively the best answer. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> and it, I get what you mean. I, if if he's truly, but then again, that's the difference, right? I think is that I, I don't even know what to call it. I I, th- I guess you'd have to call it like soft racism. Well, everyone is soft racist Be, by the sense that you can, <laughs> yeah, arguably. Uh, but you know, you because it's like at that point, 
I get what you mean, right? If you truly hated a group of people and thought so little of them, you wouldn't choose to have them as your friend. Right. Uh, but as somebody who lives in the South, I don't know if this is something that's common in the North. And this is an interesting time for us to have a talk about maybe the differences between the North and the South. Um, we won, by the way. Uh, <laughs> we won. So what? we won. So what's next? Fuck <laughs> it, bitch. <laughs> we, uh, oh, Civil yeah. War champions back to back, baby. <laughs> But something I know that I've heard a lot growing up, right, is, and and I still hear it every now and then. So it's definitely something that survives even in, even if potentially in a minimal, in my own area, in a minimal way, is that ideology of any group of people that you don't like, but then you have somebody who's a friend of that being this example of like, oh, well, he's one of the good ones. And that's, I guess, where the idea of like soft racism comes in, where it's like, to, though to me, I follow your example. It's where it's like, if you if you can look at anybody and then think that they're that, you've just disproved your own race, racism. And I, I try and have that conversation with people around here all the time. People be like, oh, well, no, he's just like, oh, he's one of the good gays. It's like, but you're clearly saying right now that a gay person you find to be a good person. And so if you're saying you don't like gays, but you like this person because gay people are bad, you've already looped into a misunderstanding of your own perception of how you view this person. So he's either, he either has to be bad because he's gay. Ergo, your version is that all gay people are bad. If that's the cycle, then he can't be a good man to you. So you got to pick a lane. Either he's a good man and being gay is not inherently make you a bad person or a bad thing, or he's a bad man because he's gay and pick a lane. (laughs) <laughs> so at least it's consistent. But is that like a, I don't know. Is that a thing? And of course you're not white. So I, there is the chance that you just don't, but have you ever heard a white person talking to another white person and say, he's one of the good ones. Have you ever heard someone say that about you? No, no. I mean, See, I wonder the, if the that's worst, really a more of a regional thing. Dude, the reality is the worst racism I've ever gotten was from other Hispanics. So like, I don't know. <laughs> Well, like it's that's huh. objectively true. Like it, yeah. Hispanics are some of the worst, and that's just the reality of it. That comes in that weird thing too, though, right? Where the the ideology that people within a group can disparage people within their own group for as much racial things as they want <laughs> because they're part of that group. Like I had an experience. Uh, uh, let's not. It, somewhere I am 40 to 50 hours a week and <laughs> I was okay. telling these people to leave and there was a bunch of other people, Hispanics like me and they're acting like oh oh he's a he's a he's a the, well, the white man you know they like saying things like I'm doing this for a negative reason and I'm sitting there looking at these guys what I, w- I was trying to think like um I guess like whatever the Hispanic version of like it, the, the word for a black person who sides with the way in like an uncle Tom. Are you saying a Tio Tomas? <laughs> is that actually, hold on. Is that the word that they use for No, it? I made that up on the spot. I don't know if I can get in trouble <laughs> for that. <laughs> That's funny. All right, keep going. But no, the point was like, they're looking at me like I'm like that. And I'm looking at them like, well, you're the reason that we get shot on a daily basis, right? Like, you know, it's kind of the the two of us going back and forth on kind of just being racist to each other in a lot of ways. But it's, it's, that's, that was my experience with it. It was just like, oh, great. 
you guys are being really shitty and scaring the crap out of this this white girl and then that, then <laughs> i'm sitting here like yeah. and then i don't wonder why people freak out and get scared of us you know what i mean so that was like a really eye opening experience for me and of course there was just well, other puerto ricans <laughs> So like, for you, you guys, because of course you could be potentially definitely in a place like uh, Miami, when you're looking at a game through the aspect of Miami, Miami's typically shown. And of course I've been to Florida once and it was in the pan, oh, not the panhandle because the panel's bottom. I was in the top part that connects kind of like to Alabama and whatnot. Not you very long. Sure. Um, <laughs> yeah. I was in the pan. <laughs> um, so I don't really have a big experience with Florida but I know that like in media, at the very least, Florida's always shown as having like a largely Latin. Typically, I think it's supposed to be Cuban because of how yeah. close they are. Um, thing. So there is a chance in this game that some kind of Latin group of people could be disparaged. Very likely because it's a Grand Theft Auto game and that's how they've always done it. But looking at that as something that would essentially be analogous to being something that would punch down at your group of people. What are what are your thoughts? Like, how does that line up with how that makes you feel in relation to this game? Or, you know, to this, this reported version of a game that may or may not be what the report says. I think it just kind of circles back to like, if you're not punching down, if you're punching at everyone, (laughs) it's just the reality of it. And like, I don't know. Well, it's I, like you may be punching down, but in the next stroke, you're immediately punching up and then you're immediately punching left and then immediately punching right. I think you said it, but like at a certain point, like if you're like, we can't, we can't make fun of any trans person in this game. We can't even have a trans person in this game because we might put them in a position where something negative happens to them and that could be seen as punching down. Aren't you just excluding trans people from your game? Right, like, yeah, exclusion by lack of inclusion. Even well, because it's the argument, right? That I've heard people say: true inclusivity includes your group of people or your group of whatever it be, also being part of the negative things. It's it's, people talk about equality between it's like true equality between men and men and women. As this argument often gets brought up, is that women have to if true equality would have women having to go through not only the positives of what men experience, but the negative of what men experience. Equal rights and left. True equality would be. Yeah. So you're saying that by (laughs) by way of and it is more or less what I said earlier is that. The idea that I've seen people say online and that I mostly agree with is that true inclusivity is being included and being made fun of. That's right. That's if if you can be made fun of in the same breath as another group of people, that means that they view you on similar levels. Like, would it be progressive to say that the woman shouldn't be a Hispanic woman and should only be a white man? Because in given the nature of Grand Theft Auto Six, we could be making fun of a Hispanic woman and that would be punching down. Right. Like, isn't making her a fiery Latina, like um, putting into stereotypes and isn't that problematic? You know what I mean? It just starts to be really stupid when you put these barriers up. It reminds me of, yeah. And if you do it as a commentary uh, as they always do, sorry, go ahead. No, I I was, I was watching this girl on YouTube who very popular YouTuber who does writing advice. And I think she gave some of the worst writing advice I've ever heard in my life because she was talking about inclusion, how you have to have inclusion in your stories, but you can't kill a gay person. 
or you can't kill a trans person. And I'm sitting there listening to this and I'm like, what if my hero throughout the entire thing is a gay guy? But I don't happen, but because of the way I write, I don't let you know that there's also 50 other gay dudes in the world. They're just, they just are because gay people exist. But my character is the only one that has outwardly sucked a dick. You know what I mean? But in the end of the story, that person At dies. least within what you've written or whatever you mean. Yeah. Well, sure, exactly. So then he yeah. dies at the end. And that is that problematic because I killed the only known gay character? She would say yes, and I think that's really fucking stupid. <laughs> because it's actually really inclusive that the whole book is about a gay character going through this thing, but at the end, they happen to die because that's the story. But you're telling me that I'm in the wrong... Because like, they die at the end, you know. It reminds me of uh, it, chapter two, the movie yeah. at the very beginning. People oh, yeah, being yeah, very, you're talking very upset at that scene, and I remember thinking that for my like, whenever I thought through the logic, I was like, "But if Pennywise would, this is a man who was willing to eat a black kid, a white mm-hmm. woman, a white male, and in this case." If I remember right, a black and a white gay man. So it's like, if he's he's eating everyone, he's being inclusive. If he, right. it would be would it be, would it not be arguably more problematic? And this is really something I'm curious of people who fall into that. Like, which one's better or worse? Would it be better if he didn't eat the character, but only because he's gay? He licks them and goes, oh, like- oh, 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 sorry. Oh, oh, I didn't know. My bad. Arguably, that would actually be hilarious. <laughs> it would be super funny, actually. <laughs> I, I don't know, man. Comedy is like, it's such a weird thing because I think comedy, it's, it's part of why I love South Park so much is that when you're – when you're doing commentary, which is ultimately what Grand Theft Auto is, uh, it's it's commentary much in the same way as South Park by means of um, of uh, damn what is my brain a parody? Um, it, it's you take something to extremes on purpose so that you can highlight the stupid parts of it. That's how that works, uh, and I think that that's such a fun type of comedy. Because it allows you, when you're doing commentary, it allows you to use these extremes on every side to really make a point and be able to get somewhere to where people can see it in ways that highlight the the worst and the best of it and kind of let you really come to a middling ground of, okay, this is this is a good way to understand this particular version. I think the boys did that a lot, too, in this last season. Um even though, I mean, like you said, you they you swing in such a crazy far way that in the end of it, the commentary comes back in a way. Uh, actually, a good example, uh, Chris. I know that you saw. It. I saw Nope last night. Great movie. We got to talk about and that. Show's over. It's really good, uh, <laughs> and I think that that movie chooses to also commentate by throwing things into some of the furthest versions of it that you can get, so that it can really hone in on that and make that a statement. And that's what the Grand Theft Auto games have always done. And you do so by parody. And parody does mean that if you look at a single moment completely free of the world around it, it's easy to look at it and feel like that's only making a joke at the expense of this people. And that's all this game is. But when you make it, when you, excuse me, when you actually see it, 
and you have it where it's like everything in the world is parodied and lampooned and it's if you want to call it flanderization in the sense that it's they're choosing to take a single trait even if it's just for that episode or that game and push it to its max so that they can make a point with it that's how the the setup works and not only is it comedy it's also commentary and i think when comedy and commentary mix you get really fun things and there's a reason that grand theft auto and and uh and south park and things like the boys go on to last so long which the boys may not last because it's a, it's more story driven ultimately but grand theft auto and south park are kind of timeless because of the fact that they are commentary uh by means of comedy so for me that i mean you know my issue with Grand Theft Auto has nothing to do with the with the world, and they do, I just think that the gameplay gets boring to me very quickly, and that has that's so separate from everything else. Listen, Chris, uh, you'll be fine, okay? There, you can't write a good story if you're worried about the economy of characters. That's a, maybe a good way to put, play it or to say that. Um, I don't want to spend too much more time on this because I know that at any point, if anybody chooses to come in here and also hyperfixate on a single thing that I've said this episode, whether it be in context of me saying it for myself or not. <laughs> so I want to get away from that because it's just stupid that that even exists. But I will say that even as somebody who doesn't have like a yearning to play Grand Theft Auto 6, uh, I think interesting characters should never be sacrificed because of wanting to feel inclusive or exclusive in any particular way. Like you said, exclusivity by means of inclusivity or the inverse. Um, for me, I just think that a story needs to make sense within itself. Uh, and if you can pull that off, you can use that to tell poignant things about things that are often not talked about or at least not talked about enough or in a way that is palatable within the real world. And you can use these means to do so. Um, I, I think it might be a little strong to say that Grand Theft Auto could fix racism, but I don't think that Grand Theft Auto is adding to racism. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> I so, agree. Uh, moving on. I think the the last thing really some of the other stuff was going on. Uh, if you actually want to talk about the game aspect, you know, the talk of the world, they were saying that rockstar was looking to peel it back so that they could get the game out, but then they may add some of these North and South America sections later as the game comes out. And I would imagine that grand theft auto online is probably going to morph into something with six. So that might be the way that you do it, or they might actually come back to doing the story DLCs that everybody was hoping that five would get and didn't. We'll just have to wait to see how that pans out. If, uh, if Grand Theft Auto Online lasts through the end of a third generation, that'd be truly amazing. Yeah. Crazy, but also amazing. Um, so I think we're good on that. Now, Chris, I want to pass the reins over to you uh, because we were talking um, as we're pulling the, the curtain back a little. We were talking about what we wanted to do as a main topic. Uh, and we were circling around a couple things. But you had one that you had mentioned that you've kind of wanted to talk about. And I think it's a good one to go to. And then uh, we can just, she's the highlight that. And I think it'll make a good community's take because it's not topical. It's not time based. You know, it's not about something that's happening right now necessarily. This is more just an open conversation that I think gamers of all creeds and, and colors can really kind of chime in on without having to be worried about being up to date on something or out of the loop on something. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and pass hosting responsibility to you for now and let yeah. you kind of open up about what you think this, uh, the way that you want to present the the conversation. No, I, at hand. I don't know. I didn't, my thing was mostly just like, it, 
in the episode where I was by myself, I talked a little bit about how, like, I think my ADHD, that's the way I play video games is the reason why I get on the show a lot. And I'm like, yeah, I didn't really like it. Um, and I was just really wondering if how that affects you, how even stuff like going through a depressive episode or stuff like that, like changes how you play games or if, if they help you or if they hurt that kind of thing. I thought, I just think that's an interesting conversation to have for the purpose of maybe anybody who didn't listen to the last episode, either due to time or whatever, or maybe new listeners coming in, can we kind of lay a foundation of exactly what you're talking about for yourself and like how your usual gaming is versus when you have, as you say, like things that happen with your mental health or whatever it be that may impact it. So lay a foundation for that and then we can kind of build from that. Well, I think if I'm laying that foundation, I think you just kind of look at the image of me right now is like my TV is right here. I'm touching it. And then I'm now also touching my computer monitor, right? So when I play games, I sit like this, basically. And I have my t- my computer is playing something, either YouTube or a podcast or a t- TV show. And then I'm playing a game on my, my TV. And then, I mean, today, today was probably the worst example where I had a podcast playing. I had something going on the RG3. I had something, I had Pokemon Wilds on my computer and I was playing multiverses. <laughs> so I was doing all four things at the same time. And I think that really, like I never focused on one, which is why you get me with stuff where like Horizon Forbidden West, I didn't really enjoy because I played while doing something else because that's just how I have to 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 operate right now. I think that's why I like multiverses so much is because I can throw on a YouTube video and just play multiverses. But it's also like you can attest to this probably more than anybody else. My library on PlayStation is fucking ridiculous. Like it is, it's, it's stupid. There's more games in there. Let me say this. The number of games that you have versus mm-hmm. the number of games I've actually heard you talk about. There's like, there's a giant chasm between the two of them. Right. And the reason being, as I've surmised and I can, I know without a doubt is that it's because we're just going to put random numbers to give visual, you know, to give some kind of idea. You, you own a thousand games. You've played 200 or you've at least seriously played 200 and maybe you've played another 300 for five minutes before you gave well, up. I mean, we can, we can, we can, we can do the numbers because I can actually get them, right? Well, okay. Well, look, while you're doing that, I want to ask you something because I think it may help kind of go, go through this. And it sounds like you kind of gave the answer at the end of your thing. So you were saying it's how you have to operate right now. Mm-hmm. So for you, if we're really going to tie this into the idea of mental health and things that are going on that may impact the way that your brain is working and how you choose to consume entertainment, are you, am I to understand from what you're saying that your example of today, where you yeah. had probably the worst example of recent memory saying, is that something that's been a relatively constant for you for the last so long period? Or is this more of your normal and the episodes that you're talking about are actually a further worse version of this like you know what are your states like what's your what's a normal chris state or at least previously your normal chris state versus what you think of as more of a episode that you link here's a notable change in my behavior towards entertainment in this particular case gaming 
and how it links directly to my state of mind or stuff going on in life. Well, I think for me, it's a lot of like, like this was a really bad one. I don't even know why I was doing it because it was stupid because I wasn't playing. I wasn't playing anything. <laughs> right. Like but that's it was the all reality, up. but it was all there. And, um, that's not as normal, but like, I'll do stuff like I read the entirety of the outsiders between apex matches. Like, and so, so, so in a way it almost helps. Right. Cause like I can, I can open a book, get and stop mid sentence and then continue 20 minutes later, an hour later, two days later. Like I can do that. I don't know how, but I can. And, but like it was stuff like with games, like if I'm not immediately immersed in it, I fall off very hard, which is why I think MLB has been the game that I just keep playing because I can play one game of MLB and it doesn't change anything. I can quit out of that game of MLB and it's not different, but like I just started Yakuza again and I'm in the middle of a mission. I don't know what the hell's going on, but I'm certainly not restarting. So I'm just continuing (laughs) and going. (laughs) Um, So go. I think I mean, I get I get where you're coming from, not because of my own personal experience. It's not really something I've ever dealt with. I think I really tend to exist on the exact opposite end of that spectrum, and I'll talk <laughs> about that in a minute. Uh, but first of all, it sounds like you've just learned how to min-max life. Kind of. <laughs> but not really. But at the same time, there's something to be said about being able to play Apex matches and then finish a book between and then have both of those be complete experiences in and of themselves, but you wasted zero time in the in-between. <laughs> yeah. So that you could say like, oh yeah, I, I, rank, you know, I, I ranked up five times or whatever you want to call it in Apex while also finishing The Outsiders in three days. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what happened, yeah. Yeah, so with that being said, um, I where I do understand, and this is something that I think Switch has been good for because for me lately, I've had so much going on outside of my hobbies mm-hmm. with work and responsibilities and things I feel pressure to get done that I... I have currently been enjoying the fact that a lot of games on Switch are exactly what I used to do when I handheld games a lot, which is that it's a game that I can turn the volume all the way down on. I don't have to hear a word, sound, nothing. And I can experience it, and it doesn't feel like I'm giving it anything less because a lot of the games are built in such a way that large swaths, if not the entire game, can be played without needing to pay that close of attention, as opposed to a game like horizon where there's a new cutscene every 30 seconds and it takes up your mental bandwidth and it feels like you can't ever have something else going because unlike when i'm playing pokemon legends arceus and 35 minutes in a row i'm just running around and catching pokemon and completing tasks that i don't need to talk to anyone about or have big story relevance I can have something else playing in the background. I can have a conversation with my wife all while doing that. And I appreciate that because it feels like I'm getting to live my life while doing the hobby without having to feel like I'm too wrapped up in one. Mm -hmm. 
which is beneficial to me at this particular state when I've felt a lot of outward stress on me. So to that end, I kind of get what you mean. But to your what you're also talking about, it sounds like you're in a mental state for however long this has kind of been going on with you. It seems like the majority of the year and thinking back to conversations we've been having um, in that games that demand more of an absolute you're paying attention to that and nothing else are really losing you because you don't have the mental bandwidth to dedicate to that. And only that for whatever reason it may be, maybe it's because of the fact that you've gotten into the habit of having games and TV and shows and stuff on that allow you to do that. And when you do something different, it feels odd or maybe it's because of, I know that you've had stressful times at work as of late and you've (laughs) changed jobs a lot this year or at least Mm -hmm. in the last year you've changed jobs a lot um and i know that impacts the way that the carefree aspects of your life can manifest themselves sure at least they do for me do you feel like that's a do you feel like that's maybe part of it for you or do you think that you can even really put a finger on what you think it might be that's causing this for you i think well i think for me it's a lot of like I I don't know. I think part of I think if we focus on the work aspect, right, it's because I work so much that I would if I want to watch a movie, I also want to play a game. And I don't wanna I don't wanna for me it's more I don't want to watch a movie rather than play this game. So I would rather put on the movie and play the game, even if I take in less of that movie. You know? You you don't want to compromise because you right. I get it. Because yeah. for me, I would always rather play the game. But like sometimes I just want to watch The Northman or Get Out. But I'm not going to sit, put it on my TV, and chill there for two hours. Because that's the only two hours I have free in my day, 90% of the time. So yeah. I would rather have it on in the background and do that. And I think a benefit for the way my mind works is I can have a full experience with that movie even if I'm playing the game because I'm not someone who will like, who hates rewinding. If I miss something in a movie, I'll just, I'll just fucking go back two minutes. Like I don't mind doing that. That's fine for me. Yeah. I don't hate rewinding, but I would personally hate if I had to rewind because I couldn't take my eyes off of something else. But that also goes into how I do media as a whole. It's not just gaming that I have this issue with. It's media. I, Mm -hmm. I don't really know how to say it other than I, I obsess in a, in a weird way. I, I hyperfixate is probably the best way to say it on media in general. Yeah. And I find that for the most part, unless it's a game that just requires, so it's, it's like muscle memory and just like reflex, which is a different part of your mind than having to comprehend things, right? It's like a one's more like fight or flight instinct. And then one's more like having to listen and understand. And I can do that. I can watch a TV show while playing a game like Hades are yeah. a game like Scourgebringer. That's no issue. I can do it while playing a game like Pokemon, where 90% of the game is just walking around and catching Pokemon and battling Pokemon. It's instinctual while also being something I'm so familiar with that I can do it without having to use the other part of my brain. But anytime that I'm doing a game or a show that I'm really wanting to... Like, really, it's anytime I'm watching a show, I can't play a game with it. Because mm-hmm. I will undoubtedly hyperfix it on the show and miss some of the game. Or if it's if it's not a Twitch-based game. If I, I couldn't play like Horizon Forbidden West and watch Get Out. 
There's no way. Because what would end up happening is I would either hyperfixate on Forbidden West and feel like I'm constantly missing everything and get out. And then, so then I have to rewind. And I'll rewind if I'm watching a movie and just didn't fully understand something and I want to see it again. Sure. But I'm I'm like, I get upset with myself if I feel like the only reason I, re- I had to rewind is because I couldn't get myself out of something else. And then I get frustrated with myself that I let one supersede the other. And so it's like my brain just does this thing where it's like once one thing's on that uses the the full comprehension part of my brain, I can't do anything else. It's like I hyper fixate on that. I can, but it's games, I think, because of the fact that they're tactile and they, you use your eyes, sometimes your ears, your fingers, your reaction. It's a different type of thing. So doing that and watching a movie, I just can't do because of it takes too much of, of that whenever I have to do all things together. Um, I can only do podcast movies with something smaller. Yeah. So that that's more my side of it. Um, but I think that that's strictly from the way that my brain works with media right. and my hyperfixation, which I, I don't, I told you yesterday when we were talking about this a little bit, I don't know that I want to call any of my things OCD, but I have tendencies that I would consider compulsive that don't make sense to me. Uh, I will randomly in the middle of the night or at any, it can be at any time of day, but I will randomly get in the thing where I'm like, I'm going to pick this one thing up. And then when I pick the one thing up, it's like, I'm cleaning now. And that's it. It's like everything mm-hmm. that I do, I go, I go too hard in on. It's like, oh, I'm, I'm going to go next door and do drywall. And then suddenly I've been drywalling for seven hours. And I'm like, <laughs> I didn't want to spend a whole Saturday drywalling. And so I have to like force myself to stop. Because I have to take the moments where where I'm lucid to the fact that it's been this long and I have to take that opportunity to like shut myself down and be like, stop, do something else. Well, I don't even know that that might be something more where it's just like you're attributed, you're attributing focus to a mental thing, which I think you're just focused on a task. That's a good thing. But you, I think you you just lose track of time. I'm not saying that there's not like a compulsion to it, but I think yeah, at a certain point sure. you're like, cause I, I get that way where like, I, okay. I get that exact way with trophies and I'm sure mm-hmm. you, you've seen it a hundred percent. You've seen it. Go look at some of the times I pop platinums, right? Yeah. I, I bet if you look at some, most of the, I bet if you look at most of my platinums, they're popped at five in the morning because I get to a point where I'm like, I'm almost done at, at midnight. Mm-hmm. I'm at a point where I'm like, I'm almost done. So then I can't stop until it's done. So at 5 a.m. Yeah. when I finally pop that platinum, I'm like sick. I'm going to bed. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I get that way a lot. That happens a ton. Let me look at one. Most recent example. I know that Fallout, Fallout New Vegas. Fallout New was... Vegas. 4:55 a.m. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Sekiro. 4:30. 4:30 a.m. <laughs> Yo. I definitely don't want to say that mine is entirely, but I would imagine that there's something because I do just tend to hyper fixate on things. My wife talks about all the time. Like she doesn't, she normally when I end up stopping, when I'm doing like the drywall or anything is because she'll, she'll walk next door and that interrupts like my, my brain to a point where I can have a moment of it. And I'm like, Oh, Hey, what time is it? And then she'll say, and I'll be like, Holy shit. But I do that with like, Everything. I got to be like really careful, man. Like if I come home for lunch and I start playing a game on lunch, I have to be careful mm-hmm. because suddenly I will have been playing that game because I hyper fixate on it. And then I'm just playing that game. That's it. 
And then if I don't have like an alarm or something that notifies me that my break should be, uh, my lunch should be over, I'm just going to sit there and play that game until something happens, a phone call or something that gives my mind a chance to go, hey, by the way, something else exists. Yeah, you're like, oh, crap. I got to go back to work. I've gotten to a point where anytime I'm doing anything, doesn't really matter what it is, I've started to force myself. This is like three years ago. I, I started trying to do this. Um, if I think of somebody or something that I haven't done or seen or talked to in a while and the thought crosses my mind, if I'm in my head and I go, um, man, I wonder what Corey's doing. I haven't talked to Corey in a bit. I force myself to stop everything I'm doing because I'm, I'm in that moment where I'm, I'm in, I can make that quick decision and I'll just be like, even if I can't do the rest of it right now, I'm going to shoot a message to Corey or I'm going to call this person or I'm going to do something. I'm going to put a reminder on my phone right now because if I don't, it's just going to slip again. And it's really helped with my like interpersonal relationships where I can kind of just stop and go, I haven't talked to John in a while. I got to stop, put everything down. Let me text John. Even if I can't text him back, he'll text me back and I'll have a visual reminder to actually spend the time to do that. Um, and I don't, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if that's just. I don't know if I'd call that something to do with compulsion or or what. But I've definitely gotten to a point where I try and take any snap moment where my brain does something, and I'm like, I, I need to act on this now because if I don't, I I just don't ever act on it. And it's like it's extremes either way is what it feels like. Hmm. Yeah, I can see that. I don't know that specific thing. Like, I'm pretty sure, like. I don't have my friend group nearly as much as I used to because I just don't think about them. I know that sounds so bad. It sounds really bad, like as a person, but like I, I just don't think about it. Like I have my stuff and I like assume people will be there. And then it's like, oh, it's been five years and my best friend's getting married. But like, you know, for me, I feel that way. They don't necessarily feel that way because it's been so fucking long. Right. You yeah. Know, that's why I think a lot of my friend group is like, you're a really good friend of mine and I talk to you on a regular basis. But like, if we didn't do this podcast and we weren't in discord, I, we wouldn't talk. And that's not because we're not friends. It's because you live in fucking Texas. So like, no, 100%, you know, and it's like Sean, one of my best friends it's because we play apex every day, you know, but I can yeah. tell you right now when we have, we've gone probably two seasons of both of us not playing as much. I barely talk to him anymore, you know, until it's like, hey, let's hop on Apex. But I like, I just don't talk to him. <laughs> it's not because we're not friends. It's just because I don't, I don't have that in me, you know. But no, I get it. I think that comes a little bit with like adulthood, right? This thing of where you have so much more responsibility than you did. That the older you mm-hmm. get and the more stuff you have going on, you start to put more on your own plate to a degree. You start to take more, not on your own plate, just strictly because of work. You have to start having more things on your plate and you start to value your free time in a different way. And so to some degree, it feels selfish because it's like, oh, I'm just, I'm pertaining to what is most important to me when I do have free time. And that's not really wrong. It, you know, it feels odd, but it's not wrong. I don't think if you went to any of your friends and said, hey, dude, look, it's not that I don't care about you. It's just, I have so much going on that when I make time, it's like, I, have to, I, I make time for me because I need to take care of myself. Because can you imagine how much worse it would be if you didn't take that time to do the things that you want to do? Like, what if you didn't watch that movie or play that game or do both at the same time? What would you be right. doing? Would you be going to sleep and waking up and going right back to work? Yeah, exactly. Dude, there's a reason I go to bed at like midnight every night, despite the fact that I have to wake up at six. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, because you need that time. And that's yeah. where I think the one thing with my friends is that, and they know it's like, hey, it's my job is not the same as really anyone else's, right? Like, you have to tell me, you have to make plans with me two weeks in advance if you want to do something on a weekend. And even two weeks in advance, now, like, I'm a fucking kitchen manager. Like, I'm an executive chef. Like, you really need to tell me, like, a month in advance if you want me to do something with you on a weekend. And, like, I don't blame them, but sometimes they're like, hey, let's all go out this weekend. And it's like, oh, Chris can't go again. It's like, no shit, I can't go again because my my Saturday for me is your fucking Tuesday. You know what I mean? Like when you're when you're punching a clock, it's like my Saturday is your Tuesday. I don't get weekends off, you know? Yeah. And I have to be there on Saturday. Like there's no such thing as having a weekend off in my business. Even my best friend's wedding a couple weeks, a couple day, months ago or whatever, Fucking, it was July. It wasn't even that long ago. His wedding, we went to, and I had to work <laughs> at the beginning of that day. And then I went home and did it. And the only reason I even was able to leave was I was like, I'm not staying. Like, you can shut down the fucking building, but I have to go. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, like, I had to be there for a couple hours. <laughs> and that was kind of where it was at. And it was... Either way, like, taking it back to games, like, it's just... It, that, my ADHD gets in the way of a lot. Well, I know that this is kind of a weird side thing, but this comes into the, if we're coming back to this idea of gaming and this also media in general, so entertainment consumption, which is kind of in the the vein of what we're talking about. We're just focusing on video games, but I have this without video games. And that's part of the reason why I haven't started to do this with Game Pass or PS Plus. Um, This is kind of like the side one that we're debating, but this is important for this particular conversation because I'm wondering if it's strictly me and the way my brain does stuff where I spend this time trying to find something so I w- I'm curious if you feel like you have the same issue or if because of the fact that you approach games in a more spastic manner, if you don't have this issue. So for me, I just have to make a list of things that I want to consume that are entertainment and that I have to just, if I have a time, I go, I'm going to watch this now and that's it. I have to do that because if if I allow myself to do this thing of I don't know what to watch or I don't know what to play and I the answer to that is let's quickly in my head, you know, you'd be like, oh, well, let's quickly scroll through and see if anything look inter- looks interesting. I will spend the two hours I would have had to game or to watch a movie or to watch a TV show looking for something to watch without ever <laughs> landing on anything. The other mm-hmm. day at lunch, I didn't feel like playing games at all. I was really tired. Uh, I just, I was just kind of like, you know what? I'm at lunch. I'm going to cook my food. And while it's cooking, I'm just going to find something new to watch that I've never watched that I can put on. I spent my entire lunch looking for something to watch, never watched anything. And I get so like upset with myself when I'm like, I spent this little bit of free time that I had looking through. And this is a problem with, with the ideology behind the subscription service uh, content at your fingertips thing. Because when I have content at my fingertips, I don't know it's FOMO or if it's it's not a fear of missing out. I guess it's more like fear of finding something better, the grass always being greener kind of ideology where there's that part of my brain that's like, well, that looks interesting. But you know what? I'm going to keep looking because I'll probably find something better. And then I'll find something. I'll be like, oh, that looks kind of cool. But you know what? There's probably something even better. And that's just what I'll do. I'll keep doing that until I haven't done anything. And I would rather spend my two hours playing something that I at least knew I had a little bit of interest in even if it turns out to not be amazing, then spend two hours, three hours trying to find something that might be amazing. And for me, 
that's my issue of where I subscribe to a lot of these subscription services, but I don't really use them in the way that in my head they market it to other people. Now, maybe everyone does that and they just market it in a way that doesn't match with what anybody does. But do you feel like you have that issue? You're muted. Um, Ironically, no, I don't think I have that issue. See, because I and this is I didn't think you had it because you are far more willing than I am to just play a game for five minutes. Be like, no, mm-hmm. if, if I'm going to choose to play a game, I'm going to hyper fixate on it and I'm going to probably play it for three hours before I decide to give up on it. Yeah, it's like what I'll do is I'll play it until I have no more time to play. And then I'll be like, well, I didn't really like that. So next time I have time to play, I'm just not going to play it. <laughs> That's funny. I. I don't even know that it's that. I think maybe, I, okay, maybe I do have the issue, but in a different way because I go through the sales. I go through every sale, top to bottom. I go through the PS Plus collection every time, top to bottom. So the next time I go in there, I already know what's there. <laughs> so if I'm like, just like, hey, I wonder, is there anything I'm interested in? I kind of can just go through very quickly and be like, nah, there's nothing. And then I can leave. You know, because I've already done the work. Yeah. I've already added the game to my wish list, or I've already downloaded Assassin's Creed Rogue that I'm not going to play because it has the ship stuff in it. Or, it, you know, I, I've already done that. So I don't, I don't have that stuck on, I'm stuck here because I need it. You know, even with like going to Netflix or something like that, like if I'm, if I'm on Netflix, I know what I'm looking for. And so I know I'm looking for a horror movie or I know I'm looking for a TV show, but in that, in the same vein of, you know, that I've watched. So I, I really like the CW superhero shows. I know you're not a big fan. I've never watched enough of them to have a strong opinion. My opinion is that the, the CG actively makes me not want to watch them. That's, that's the only opinion I have. Whatever you understand, you need to understand what it is and then you'll enjoy it. But my point no, we're not getting on that debate. My point is that I have watched <laughs> I have watched Arrow and Flash. Each of those shows I've watched through probably close to 10 times each. Because yeah. I just put them on and it's just like a comfort thing. I just put them on and that's yeah, what that's I, just, do that. I just go. And I'm I do I guess that with Scrubs, watching this your mother again. arrested development. I do it with a lot of stuff. Uh, I'm going to piss yeah. you off right now, but I tried to watch uh I Met Your Mother again. I do not think that show holds up. Um doesn't piss me off. I, you, you realize that I spent the last five years beside a person who has never even watched Tower Met Your Mother and just actively shits on it. Saul, <laughs> that's just all you ever did. So I'm, I'm well, I'm fine. I didn't bother me. I liked How I Met Your Mother and fell off very hard. Now, if you told me you didn't like Arrested Development, I'd want to throw hands a little bit harder because Arrested Development's amazing. Arrested Development's great. I just I, I I tried to watch the first season of that of How I Met Your Mother and just kept skipping episodes. So I was like, I know what happens to this. I don't want to watch just, this. <laughs> I just recently rewatched it and I had a blast rewatching it all. Yeah, hey, I'm actually uh, more, on the last episode right now because my daughter got super into it. So I'm yeah. holding off on watching it because she wants to watch it. Yeah, well, more power to you. I don't know. I don't. I don't have the PS Plus thing or the Game Pass thing because like. I know what's there. So I'm like, yeah, this is fine. And then you get to a point where you're, by the time you hit the bottom of the list, there's nothing on the bottom of the list that anyone wants to look at. 
There's nothing there. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I've been to the depths. I've seen I've been in the gallows. And there's nothing on the bottom of those lists that you need to look at. I promise. Yeah. Well, you know, I I think ultimately I've reached the same answer as you that when I go to Netflix, it's up until that one day, I normally don't even allow myself to to give in to that because I know what it leads to typically. Um I normally do open Amazon or open HBO or whatever it be or or turn my PlayStation on. Subscription services be damned. I normally turn my console on because I know what I'm going to play and mm. I or I'm know what I'm going to watch. And if I get to a point where I feel like I'm not doing that for some reason, like something's not going or I'm spending time debating between what I want to do, I'll just go ahead and turn it off. I'm like I'll just do something else that I know I will do. If I can't land on a game, fine, fuck it. I'm going to I'm going to watch TV even if it means just throwing on How I Met Your Mother again or throwing on Scrubs again or throwing on literally a, a countless you know amount of comfort shows i would rather just at least experience entertainment than spend my whole time and i've had to break myself of wasting my time doing that but i know other people like josh shoop who was talking to me about that feeling of spending so much time in a sea of content that you end up just wasting it all and what was by the time that you get done you have this feeling of like, I just wasted all my time on what was probably the majority of shit content. And the reality is, is it may not even be the majority shit. It's just you're giving that value to it because you never even landed on anything. You know, mm-hmm. it's like half the show. There, there are plenty of games that I'm sure no one's ever heard of, but I say no one, you know what I mean? A large groups of people I haven't heard of that you could look at and say, well, that, that's probably a crappy game. Why does that even need to be on there? Or that's probably a crappy show. Why does it even need to be on here? Someone probably really likes that little niche show and, and fucking loves it. And they're glad that it's on there. So I like the idea behind subscription services and, and content at your fingertips and even sales highlighting things and, and showing you something you may have never seen before and you having the chance to jump on it and maybe love it. Uh, but at the same time, it's a fine line to balance. You can't waste all your time not no. playing. It's kind of like Saul talking about why he left the show. It's like, do you want to spend time playing games or talking about games? Well, it's it's funny because it's the reason I have so many games is kind of exactly that, where now that I have more money to kind of do whatever I want, I just look at a game and I'm like, yeah, I'll try that. And I just buy it, you know, and that's probably why half the time I don't have as much money as I should. But <laughs> it's it's just because I'm like, fuck it. I want to play Weird West. ACG really likes Weird West. I'm going to spend it's on sale for 24 buying it. Oh, did you buy Weird West? Yes. The game looks awesome. West. It's great. It's good Red Dead. Good. It's funny. I'm actually I when I edited, <laughs> dude, when I edited the show of the last one, I said that. And then I was like, people are gonna get mad at me, so I cut that out of the show <laughs> <laughs> and just left that it continue. Um but no, I don't know. For me, it's just it, it makes my the stuff that I deal with makes it hard to do anything uh, to a hundred percent. Which is why it's got. That's why. That's why. Like you guys make fun of me for using guides, but a lot of the reason I use them is to keep me focused on the game. Like I ha- I that's would fair. not. I would not have played as I didn't finish Tales of Graces F, but I would not have played as much Tales of Graces F if I wasn't looking at the guide for it to tell me what to do so I could split my focus between the two and and be able to to push it there. You know? It's a shame that you didn't get further. That game's great. But I understand. It's also long. 
And the longer that the longer a game gets, the harder it is to maintain that, right? Right. And that's why, yeah. like, that's why I know the hours thing on Persona Five Royal scares people. But like for me, as somebody who deals with this issue, the fact that I could finish a hundred and twenty-five hour game and I can't wait to spend seventy dollars on the PS5 version to do it again means you should take my word for it that the game's really goddamn good. <laughs> <laughs> you know i also did have okay. the benefit of an entire fucking pandemic but and i guess you didn't even have that at all but like i wasn't working for four months so i was just sitting at home i think i said to blake i got, I, I got good i platinumed persona 5 and and skyrim in two weeks <laughs> like god i think those are back-to-back platinums for me yeah, that one's pretty wild. Um, yeah, I, yeah, you're right. I got I got one day to work from home, and I was still had to work, but I got one day to work from home, and then the next day, they're like, yeah, go ahead, come up, come back into the office. That's we're, crazy. we're just gonna there, and, and the one day I got off was because it was one week, and we have enough people in the office that we were trying to have it to where we'd only have two people in the office in any given day. We did that for one week, and so I, I got one day of being at home in the rotation and then the, the owner was like, yeah, we're not going to do that. Which I mean, you know, it is what it is. Nothing ever happened. I, I, but you're right. Different areas handled it diff- very different ways. I didn't have large chunks of time being off and uh, mm-hmm. until we randomly had that big Texas snow last year uh, <laughs> where I was off for a week and suddenly I played the entirety of spirit fair in like great two game. days. <laughs> what a great, great game. game. Uh, Did you play any but, of the new spirit fair update? No. I guess I should, but yeah. as anyone who's listening to the show long enough knows, I don't play updates. I don't know what it is. I I don't even know if that's that's linked to my hyperfixation to where I I hyperfixate until I get a sense of completion and like doneness, and then I can't reopen that. I don't know what that is, <laughs> but it's like my brain's like, no, bro, you're done with Ghost of Tsushima. Now, if they put a two after it, you'll you'll be good. But if they just call it Ghost of Tsushima Iki Island, you're like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Or it's funny. Well, it's because um, it's because my brain knows it's just more Ghost of Tsushima one. It's not, yeah. you know. The only time I've ever wanted to go back was I re-downloaded the Outer Worlds to do the Iridinos DLC or whatever, and then mm-hmm. my save file that I finished the game with was gone, so I just deleted it again because I wasn't going to play through the game again. But I did want to try that, so I was pretty. That's salty. unfortunate. Well, Chris, unless you have something else that you want to say, I think this is probably about to wrap it up. I'm getting tired. It's It's been a long day, but uh, yeah, I'm good. this is an interesting talk. I like that it's not, I mean, this is far more personal. Uh, it's, it's a talk that's less tied to what's happening in the industry, and it's nice to have those every now and then. Um, I so agree. thank you for the topic suggestion and uh, coming around with it. Uh, and if you want to finish it off with any words, feel free to do so, but then we'll wrap it up. Um. Banana box oranges. <laughs> All right. That's Chris finishing the conversation up. Uh, <laughs> if you enjoyed the show and are still listening, first of all, thank you. We know this is a longer episode. Some of you like that. Some of you not so much. Uh, so 
Yeah, get used to it. No, but point being, uh, we appreciate you guys for sticking around with the show and listening. If you're, like I said, new to the show, we hope you did enjoy it. And if you did, uh, give the show a like. If you're on uh, YouTube, you can do that. You can share it with people that you think may like it. If you're on a podcast podcast service that lets you give us ratings, please do so. It lets people know whether or not we are worth the time. And we hope that you think we are. But if we're not, let us know. And uh, we can look at that and look at how we may improve the show. Uh, Lastly, as we always say, you could be part of the community's take. So the community's take this week is going to be, uh, does your mental health state or does your state of mind ever heavily impact the way that you play games? And if so, uh, if you feel comfortable doing so, share with us how those things may impact your gaming. And uh, if you feel like you're more on Chris's side of it, my side or somewhere completely different in the middle, uh, you can do so by going over and finding us on Twitter at TriangleSQRD. You can find us on Facebook, as we said earlier. Facebook group is Triangle Square to PlayStation Podcast. And then lastly, the Discord, which is always linked in the description, whether you're watching on YouTube or listening on podcast services, click in there. We'd love to have you. Uh, if you want to support the show with more than just your time, as a number of you guys do, there's an easy way to do that, and that is with Patreon. So head over to patreon.com slash nartech uh, and give as little as a dollar per month to help us cover hosting costs as well as any equipment that we end up needing. It's a huge help, and we thank every one of you who do it. Um, And with that being said, we'll see you guys next week. And we're going to give a huge shout out to our patrons. Our newest one coming in is Mr. Matthew Tubbs. Thank you. We appreciate it. We have AKA Sean, Awesome Dave 1337, Aztec King, Lechion 69, The Lord Corgi, Salvador Garcia, Hammond Egger, Bailey Robertson, Mark Schutz, Cypher Primus, Kyle Grimm, Rude Days 93, Kevin Bacon Bits, Danny Villiobos, Jehudi MD, No Fate, Josh Ayers, Derek Porter, Constantly Kenny, Matthew Green, Sean Santarude, Stephen Salazar, Shadowist, and my name is Dan. Thank each and every one of you, and we hope you're doing well. We'll see you next week for 272.